Greetings and welcome to the For the Ride podcast. I'm your host, Adam Vanderveen, and as always, all the views and opinions expressed on the podcast are solely those of myself and the guest and not representative of Triumph Motorcycles. And with that standard disclaimer out of the way, this is now the last episode of the season. So it has been such a fun season, uh, a lot of fun guests that I got a chance to talk to this year, but uh, all good things must come to an end because it is officially the end of 2023. So thank you guys so much for listening this season. Certainly stay tuned for uh, another great season to come sometime in 2024. But before we wrap things up, we're going to go through just some of the things that we do on every single episode, starting with a t-shirt giveaway. As I do on every episode, I'm going to read a listener comment. So this one came from Tedro on Apple Podcast, And Tedro said, Glad I came across this show. As a Triumph owner, I love to hear others people's stories, especially the YouTubers that have the adventures that many of us dream of. And this great podcast is where I go to hear them. Fantastic job. P.S. There's a very unique Triumph dealership in Marnie, Iowa that might make a great addition to the collection of stories. So you're talking about Baxter Cycles. I know Randy Baxter and totally agree with you. I, I think that would be a good interview. So next time I, I speak with them, we'll see if I can pin him down. So appreciate the suggestion. And if you would send us an email at fortheride.us at triumphmotorcycles.com, we will get a t-shirt right on out to you. And while this is the last episode of the year, we still would love to hear from you. And I can promise that we'll start season four with some more t-shirt giveaways. So please continue to send in your comments and questions because we can't wait to read them. All right, next for the news portion of the episode, this one, very exciting news. We're going to do some events. We're going to go city to city. It's going to be called the British Invasion Tour. We're going to go to 20 cities and we're going to show all the brand new motorcycles that aren't in dealerships yet. It's all going to be at super cool venues, might be concert halls or craft breweries, things like that. And all the new motorcycles are going to be uncovered throughout the night. And we're going to have some live music from Sam Pace. We'll have some drinks, some food, just all around good time to celebrate all the new motorcycles that we're coming out with this year. If you want to find one of those tour stops coming to a city near you, just go to triumphontour.com and hopefully we see you out there. Finally, for today's guest, this was such a treat. Impa Kasanganai. Impa is a MMA fighter who also happens to love riding motorcycles. And he reached out to us just ahead of what was his championship fight in the PFL series. Uh, Impa won the PFL title for the 2023 season. And shortly after that, I came into the office and shared really not just the story about how he won that title, but this inspirational story of his entire life and how he got to this point with all these uphill battles. So it was incredible to speak with him. And I really hope you guys enjoy this story. To the highway, I'm all packed and I'm go. Lord, let me ride out tomorrow, honey. I won't be back no more. Yeah, goodbye. Champ, welcome to Triumph. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is an honor. Yeah, no, uh, good to have you in here, and uh, yeah, I mean, good to see you. Very happy to. 
uh, show you around. Super cool to to check out the belt, which is um, if uh, if anybody at home is listening, you're not overly uh, familiar with who Impa is. Uh, he is the new uh, PFL light heavyweight champion of the world, and um, and immediately following that fight, uh, decided to take a, a motorcycle road trip. Yes, sir. Oh man, I love bikes, and your Triumph's my favorite. The first bike I ever had was a is, is still a habit. It's the 2006 Scrambler, and like I've been in love with these bikes ever since, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I, I can't wait to learn about um kind of your riding journey, your, your ride. I mean, we'll go all over the place, but um, I don't know. Maybe we'll let's just uh, you know what I'm gonna start with. Hmm. I'm sure you get asked this uh, quite a bit, but um, could you slowly say your whole name for me? <laughs> yes, sir. First name's Impa, last name is Kasanganai. Kasanganai. Okay. I, I just want to get that right. I'm going to no. say it a, a couple times because I want to be proper with it. But because um, because reading it is like I, I could go all over the the place with it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kasanganai. Yes, sir. Okay. Kasanganai. Excellent. Yes, sir. Uh, and then in that name is uh, you're of uh, Congolese mm-hmm. descent. Yes, sir. So I'm the first person in my family born in America. Or even outside of the Congo, um, my parents came from the Democratic Republic of the Congo in Kinshasa, formerly known as Zaire, and uh, yeah, so that's where my name comes from, Mabantu. Yeah, that that's incredible. Um, I, I'd love to hear about that a little bit. I I don't know if you like. Are you comfortable sharing a bit of your dad's story? Yes, for sure. Yeah, oh, I mean, cool. I'll, I'll talk about my dad and my mom any day. There, I, I tell people this for sure. My parents, I feel like I hit the jackpot with them. Like I'm really, really blessed. My family's tight made many sacrifices and they are very, very loving people. So like, I always love talking about them. So I'm honored. Uh, my parents, you know, so parents grew up in Congo in Central Africa. My mom was between Belgium and Congo as well. They met actually here, but their, their, their love story is pretty cool too. Okay. But uh, yeah, so my dad's dad was a soldier. Mom's uh, mom was a, you know, a nun and her whole, she took the whole family in, just a loving family. Right. My dad came to the United States to, you know, and, he does education. He was, he's an engineer by trade and, you know, physics and all that. Really, really smart. We call him like the nerd of the family, but he's he's so intelligent and so cool. I swear he's the guy that I want to be when I grow up. And it's challenging because I have to do better than him. I'm like, how do I do that, right? He's a loving, loving man. Great dad, great husband. And like in our culture, you wouldn't call your dad your friend, but he feels like my best friend, you know, so many days. And I just, I, I want to respect him, but he's just a great dad. He'll talk to you through everything. But he came to the United States with $16 in his pocket. And he built a dream, didn't know the language, worked at this restaurant called the Cajun Queen in Charlotte, North Carolina, brought his whole family pretty much over here. His brother first, and then his brother became a partner in an accounting firm, Price Waterhouse, like a major accounting firm. And everybody started doing successful because they all love each other, right? I have a lot of my family that lives in Boston who I'll see for Christmas this year on my dad's side. And a lot of my mom's family is in um, uh, Europe and Belgium and all over. She came to the United States uh, to become a doctor, but she's a she's an oncology nurse, you know, the... It's a crazy story, but like she was um here by herself, working her way, you know, through school and all that, and just focused on becoming a a doctor, which is you know a demanding career. And she's still learning English and all that stuff. But so so smart, and she's always childish. Like she doesn't stop working. That lady worked like seventeen hours and just be like, never complain. It's fine, you know. Praise the Lord, <laughs> right? But she she came here. She's on the route to be a doctor, and you know, decided to focus on nursing so she could help her family too. So they're always like family first, and. They definitely encouraged um, my siblings and I. So I have a younger brother, younger sister. My brother's a basketball coach at the University of Tennessee, uh, men's basketball program. So I'm very proud of them. You know, go Vols. Shout out to you guys. And my little sister, she just committed to West Point, and she'll be looking to do 
biomedical engineering or something business. She's 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 the really smart one in the family too. Her and my dad. So yeah, those are uh, any of the uh, academies are super hard to get into. So yeah, that's impressive. Just that she got in and I'm so proud of her. So proud of her. She graduated high school early. I'm like, who are you? Like, well, how are you doing this right? And she always makes, but she's the main character of the family. Is what we call her. But yeah, we're just you know honored, and it's like that immigrant mentality that what do you want to call it like that that heart just to help and grow it's really cool to see my parents blessed us and put us an opportunity to succeed and where we are today and you know and they always encourage us to be the best versions of ourselves you know focus on faith and loving others and you start seeing i'm proud of my brother and sister right and it's just cool to see like it's a testimony of the sacrifices my parents made to get here yeah it's um it's kind of interesting i i see a lot of um children of uh immigrants it, 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 by the way this is uh it, it, we'll have like a, a funny amount of similarities here mm. uh but it, here's one of them my my mom was uh born in germany mm. so she was very young uh when she came over but i i sort of i did definitely grow up in um in a household that was influenced you know but more of uh kind of european uh culture than just you know, like straight American right. yeah. uh, culture. But uh, if I look at a lot of, you know, people I know, you sort of see either either a little bit of in, like entitlement in that, you know, uh, next generation or or just extreme like gratitude and almost a sense that they they owe their parents for the, and you see like very hard work just to, because you know what your parents went through to, to mm-hmm. give you a, the, the life that you have totally agree there that's like a that's spot on i couldn't say it better myself i mean for me my number one goal when it comes to like business and fighting and life and even this motorcycle trip i took like all the different partnerships it can make or it's how can i like set up my parents to be free right they work so hard they've done so much for so many people my siblings and i how do we make it happen so that they never have to worry ever again? And they've done so much for us. I mean, I'm grateful you know, I got this world title, all that. So like, it could be like one step closer, but I'm already thinking like, how do I make this happen? So getting around on that ride is a part of it. Cause you can just grow with a great company like Triumph for the PFL that I get to fight in. Right. And it's just, you also see the other side of it, right. Where people, Oh, you owe me, you made it to America and then, or whatever country they came to. And they forget all the stuff that their parents did learn a new language, bringing us to school. And uh, that entitlement is pretty sad to see. And I think, I think a lot of people get lost along the way. It's funny you say, like, you kind of grew up in that European-influenced household. I say the same thing. I, I, people say, oh, you're, you're American. I'm like, yeah, I'm American, but I grew up in a Congolese household. Like, principles, respect, uh, order, right? And um, a lot of love, but it was like a, a different blend, especially being the first of three. So it definitely, uh, I can definitely relate to you there. Yeah. What, um, what language do you guys speak at home? <laughs> Gosh. So my dad speaks six languages. My mom speaks five. Holy and they can, they're fluent. They can write in all of them. But so my parents will be in a conversation. So in Congo, they speak French as like their national government language, but then they have different dialects and so many different tribes. So they have, we just did a cool video actually the other day, thanking some people back home and I spoke in English and they spoke in their languages. So you have at home, I hear French, Lingala, Kikongo, Swahili. Um, my mom, or that dad can speak, uh, Part Portuguese, being close to uh, Angola. Of course, you hear English, so that's the sixth one. And then my mom is the same, except for she sees Kikongo. So it's just, and then they understand each other. And then they're, it almost sounds the same, and it sounds, like, different. So I'm like, wait, what are you saying? But I know when I'm in trouble, though, because they all, like, they let me know, like, <laughs> what. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to listen now. But it's it's really cool hearing them speak in different languages and just 
transition. I think that's a different type of intelligence that I think that growing up stateside, you know, as a kid, you hear people make fun of accents, right? And like, man, that just means that person probably knows another language and they, you should appreciate that. But the older you get, I think people really appreciate that more. So like I, my parents are so intelligent to me and I'm like, man, I got to catch up. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that was, um, so my wife's first language is, is French. She, um, she was born in Montreal and oh. yeah, moved down here when she was about 10. And it, it's interesting, like, um, yeah, her, her parents have, uh, pretty thick accents still, but she, she has none. You, you can never tell. Wow. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So intelligent. Like people who do that, like the way their brain operates, just, it intrigues me. That's super, super cool. Yeah. So then, um, so you were born here, uh, you grew up in, in Florida. I grew up in South Florida. I was born in Fort Lauderdale, went to Okeechobee for a little bit. And I was like on the South Florida region. Then when I was 12 years old, turning 13 that week, actually, I moved to North Carolina. I was in Mint Hill, right, right outside of Charlotte, the countryside. Then I lived in Matthews, North Carolina, just a sub, like a suburb right outside of Charlotte. And, um, then college I moved after to like the mountains and Bjork and then back to the uh, Valley in North Carolina. Okay, so that's sort of that feels like home, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yes, sir. North Carolina feels like home for sure. I I fought in D.C. for my last fight, and it was cool seeing the leaves change again. Because now that I live in South Florida, I see palm trees all the time, and it is home too. It's like I have that, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of my growing up from twelve years old on was really um, influential in my life. So when I when I was in D.C., I'm like man, these leaves are changing. I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop walking because I was like, look at this. This leaves like orange this one's red this one's purple this one's like it felt different i almost forgot i see i was telling my dad come on move to florida move to florida it's cold and then I, then I start walking around i'm riding the bike and i'm just like i see why they like it up here you know, yeah. it's peaceful well and that's not um it was i i'm gonna say let, let's be real it, i grew up in wisconsin so it doesn't Ooh. it doesn't get real cold there it's yes. like it, it gets cool but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Gosh, yeah cool. i i, I now nah, i've gotten spoiled here I, i've been here um about four and a half years, and I'm fully acclimated uh, to the South now. But are you? Yeah. Oh my goodness! But I know what that real cold? cold's about. <laughs> How cold did it get for you out there? Well, so it most of the winter. So it, it's interesting. I, I've lived in uh, Minneapolis for a few years too, and um, I, I'll tell people like the the difference between Milwaukee and Minneapolis is um, the snow sticks in Minneapolis, mm. right? So Milwaukee, like it, it snows a lot. It snows all winter. Um, but it's really common for it to melt, melt off. Like yeah. every time it snows, you know, within a, a week or two, it, it might melt off and mm-hmm. that'll snow again. Um, and then like once a year, you'll, you'll just hit that really cold snap where it's way below zero, like Fahrenheit. Right. So like, uh, ne- you know, negative 10, negative 20, negative 30. No, uh, it's re- <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. For not for me. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, but it's crazy. Like, you know, one week at negative 20 and like the, the teens feel pretty good. And then, uh, uh and you see like in, in Milwaukee, like middle of December, January, you, you sit, you hit one day in the thirties, all the motorcycles come out cause it's just, it, it feels warm. Right. And, uh, in the snow melt off and it feels really warm and uh, all the riders want to get out. Oh man. I guess, I mean, yeah, you love riding that much for sure. I mean, I, I guess that would make sense. I was riding through like about 30 degrees when I was coming to Virginia and I was like, what in the world? But I was hooked up with some great gear. Yeah. So I was happy about that. But I could imagine just not having the gear that I have today and just riding through that. But hey, getting that one ride and it's worth it, I would say. Goodness gracious, that weather. I always tell people like my my friends try to make me do ice baths for fights. I'm like, no. They make fun of me. I'll be in the middle of the summer. My friend Joe, wherever he is, he's a 
he's uh, he laughs at me. I picked him up from the airport one summer and in South Florida, and I had the heat on in the car at night. And he's like, "You're crazy," and he's from Utah. And we're at the Airbnb. They're always arguing, like, please keep the AC at 80 or the heat at 80. Like, we're not keeping at 80, and people are going to burning up in here. But at all times, I've been a hoodie year-round. So Wisconsin would be torture. Like I say, my parents are from where the equator is. I'm dark-skinned. Like, there's nothing about me that's built for the cold, guys. Like, I, I don't <laughs> do this. But that's funny, man. It's That's that's insane. 30, negative 30? Negative, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, like, like I said, not a lot. But, but you'll hit a week. You know, one week where it's a, a few days in a row, and I, like, and that's when it gets a little dangerous too. And yes. and like, some people stay home because, um, you know, there, there's the worry that if your car breaks down somewhere, you, you you're just gonna f- freeze out there, right? right. So, it, it gets a little dangerous at at a certain point. But I would definitely do some like uh, remote job at the time of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like take a hiatus, like hibernation from fighting or something. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So. um so, so North Carolina, a uh, little bit more temperate, feels like home. What um, kind of, how did you, you know, evolve from going up there? I think you did like a year or two of traditional school to getting into fighting. Yeah. So how does this go? I, I didn't grow up an athlete. Back in Congo, you're not in Africa in general. Mostly sports aren't praised like they're here in the Western culture, United States. So being the first of the firstborn to to immigrant parents, it's like it's pretty, pretty strict on what you're going to do. You're either going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, or some other engineer, right? And, I mean, I appreciate it because education is definitely pushed and it's definitely um, benefited my life. But I was kind of like there was like the abstract one in the family. Like, I liked school in, in some regards, but then I always wanted to see how to use my body, how to get in nature, all that, those different things. It just wasn't common. So I didn't. I played football my senior year of high school. I got to play in college. And then I saw football players getting better at football with fighting, like martial arts. And I did a project on Muhammad Ali when I was a little kid. Fun fact, we have the same birthday. So that was like a fun thing. And he fought in the Kinshasa, where the Rumble and Jungle is, where my parents are from. So I started like, man, oh, since I was a little kid, I had this seed planted in my head that I wanted to box. And my mom's like, not until you can pay for it on your own. Well, I'm in college, I'm working a job, and I see this gym, like, hey, I, I can pay for it on my own. And I don't think she ever thought it would stick with me. And I was like, don't tell me something, don't think I won't do it. They've been making this joke to, like, the three things we told him not to do, he's done, and we're kind of happy he's doing it. It's fighting, motorcycles, and tattoos. <laughs> so they're like, they're like, well, we just pray for him harder now. So I started doing that, and I was just kind of like in football practice. I wasn't playing too much my senior year, and like a few weeks later, the season ended, and they're like, hey, do you want to? Taking fights you can pay for your gym dues. I was like, sure. And I won. I was like, this is great. And from that point, I was like, okay, I'm doing this forever. And as long as God allows me to, right? Yeah, that um, that first fight, it's, uh, you, you know, right? Like, right. You, you either are never going to do anything like that again, <laughs> or, or, like, you absolutely love it, and this is what you have to do. Right, I laugh. People was like, well, how do you feel? So, like, I've never been, I'm very calm before fights, like, we're having a conversation now. I've never been a nervous person in general like in life i was just okay i'm gonna do this and i didn't try to overhype it get angry i'm not an angry guy when i fight like that doesn't even help me i'm sitting in the back and the coach is like are you nervous i'm like no he's like you're not nervous at all and i'm like wait i should be nervous i should be nervous and so then i'm like wait and i start freaking out I was like, okay we're good and i was kind of wondering like give those thoughts in your head you know you fought so it's like you're kind of like hmm do they really lock the cage so I'm like, okay and I, the three thoughts i had do they really lock the cage I farted and then I was like, I'm hungry. And I don't know why. And I was like, and I was like so self-aware. And I was just like, 
oh man, I hope nobody heard that. I hope it wasn't on camera. And then the I don't remember the referee saying, Fighter, are you ready? Fighter, all I knew was like, go. And I was like, all right. And I just started chasing the guy with like throwing a right hand, like the worst technique ever. Got to the cage, finished fighting the first round. Like, oh, cool. I ended up punching myself in my first fight and cutting my lip open. I was like, he didn't hit me. So where then I was like watching the tape. I was like, oh, I hit myself somehow. Like I was just like trying to do ground and pound. And it was just funny. But a lot of guys like from my football team came college. My mom was just like, oh my gosh, I think he's going to keep doing this forever. And I knew from that point on, like, this is going to be something special. And uh, where was this? Where did this Char- happen? Uh, my first fight was in Charlotte, North Carolina, in an okay. area called Noda, like the art district area. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Dig it. Um, I mean, yeah, for, so um, it, it, I think it, it, if you do it, you have a good experience, you enjoy it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, I mean, definitely gets a hold of you. That that was definitely my experience. And mm-hmm. uh, funny enough, I I've started training because – um, I learned after uh, a couple of years of, of like college, um, D2, nothing to, you know, get too excited about, but, uh, I learned pretty quick. My body just couldn't handle the sport of football. Mm. Cause that's a, it's just a, a different kind of impact. Mm. Um, but I wanted to stay active. I was I, a little bit of the opposite of you at like, I, I, I was an athlete since I was like five, right. Oh, I was wow. just always in sports and it, it just felt like so normal. So, um, I just wanted to be active. So I, I went into a gym just to train and to, to do something and to stay active. But um, kind of similarly, like a, a coach is just like, hey, do you want, you want to come train with these guys? Uh-huh. Uh, and then a little bit of that is like, hey, do you want to you want to try a fight? Right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I did one. It's like, okay, I got to do this. That's cool. That's funny how those coaches will lure you into like, you can do this? You want to try this? I'm like, okay. And then that person's been fighting 20 years. And you're like, oh, wow, like pretty cool. Like, you know, shout out to all the coaches, you know, who've impacted my life. Like, it's kind of fun being on this motorcycle ride reflecting because I can go all the way back to Joe Hurst, right? Um, everybody at Atlantic MMA, Hickory, North Carolina, small little town. I went to a small, like, went to Division two school. They're doing pretty well in football. Oh, they're doing something this weekend. I got to send them something. But sorry, my brain goes. But they, it's pretty cool to see. Like, literally, it was a country town. I remember literally I saw the first time in my life a chicken crossing the road right in front of the gym. That's how country town it was. But. It was so cool to to think about then, especially on this ride reflecting. It's like now you're a world champion. How how cool is it? That's what I set out to do. But without those coaches and those trainers to encourage you and say, Hey, why don't you do this? Now you need to go to this gym. Now you need to go here. Like sometimes the people let you go and you never train with them again. I remember getting tapped out and choked out by guys who are hundred twenty pounds and I'm a two hundred thirty five pound college football player. <laughs> like I think I'm an athlete and they're like, Wow, like this guy almost ripped my arm off my body and is smiling about it, right? Like, this is cool. So, um, yeah, and funny enough, I started, I studied accounting and finance. Um, I was going to get my CPA. I was kind of already working in college at a financial technology company called Abbott Exchange, and uh, I got a promotion, and my parents were really excited, and then I couldn't train. So I was like, okay, I'm going to leave this. I didn't have my second amateur fight yet, so I'm not even getting paid to fight. And I come home, like, how the, how the, uh, how the promotion go? And I'm like, oh, well, I'll be working at the grocery store that I worked at in high school. Shout out to Harris Teeter. And uh, I'll be bouncing. My mom looked at my dad. They were sitting in bed just talking to them. And they're like, talk to your son. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, man. But now that, I mean, but I said, give me two years. If not in the UFC, I go back and get my CPA. And they supported me like no other, right? And they're here for everything. They've been at every event now. And um, I'm very honored I get to share this life with them.
That's, that's amazing. So, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people don't realize, I mean, but um, this is a sport where it, it's a, to get to the next level um, or to get to a point where it can be a career, um, it's a big commitment and it's a big risk, right? It, it's a, it's a big gamble because um, you can't train part-time. No. Like you, you, so what was sort of the, what was that decision point where you knew that this, you wanted this to be a career and, and you were going to kind of walk away from everything else to give this a go? Yeah. Um, so it was really, so I, I did that job. Like, so I've been exchanged. They were super cool to me. And like, I'm happy with their growth. They're doing great. But I was probably 20 years old, 21, 19, turning 20, 20, 20, 21, around that time. And I started, I started as an intern pretty much just filing paperwork. The company is about to go public. So it's like learning the ins and outs of what they needed, like doing audits, finding everything down to the penny, trying to get everything organized. And it was cool, like, but I wasn't really passionate about it. So I thought I'd go military. I thought I'd go like finish college and become an officer or wanted to go like special ops or something. But I didn't, I didn't have uh, a direction with that. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm doing accounting. I'll keep doing it. My uncle's an accountant. He's done really well. He helped my family, helped my life. Like, I'm very grateful for him. Love you, Uncle Felix. And then I got to my senior year. I already had my first amateur fight. I went to New York to see how pros train with by Henzo Gracie. Really just really great gyms back in New York, Long Island, MMA, right on the flight. All those guys were very welcome. I was like, man, I think they can do something special with this. You know, actually, sitting next to me is uh, my friend Cliff Bear. On our last college football game, I was like, I think I, wanna, I can do something special with fighting. I don't know. Then I've seen McGregor. But I can do something in my own light. I, I, I've never fought like this before, but yeah. So I started thinking about it. So it was like just kind of going to my brain. So then I went to New York. I came back. I was like, I definitely do this. And then when they gave me the promotion, I was go. I was always leave work. I go early around two thirty. Make it to the gym by three. Coach was always cool with me because he knew I was coming from work. And they had this promotion. They said, "Emma, you've been working here for a while. It's time for you to go up." And I was like, "Man, I'd love to, but can I leave at this time?" They said, "No." Are you sure? We tried to go back and forth. And then I just went and sat in the office and I looked outside and I called my coach, went over back to the gym. I said, well, should I go to the military? Should I fight? Or should I do this? Because I thought I was going to be an accountant and just fight underground because I thought fighting was cool. And he's like, you know, you can fight. You can be an accountant forever and go back and get your MBA, CPA, right? If you're terrible at fighting, you can go to the military if you're not good at this. But fighting has a timetable. Like you said, you can't train part-time. So back to work the next day, I thought about it, thought about a really good job. I was like, man, this looks like some really good money I can make, and <laughs> you're not getting paid to fight right now. But I was like, I'm going to go by faith. I believe I'm called to do this. I see MMA as my ministry. I'm a Christian. I, I love people. I don't try to force it on anybody, but I just want to let people know they're unconditionally loved. Like, if you get to know me as a fighter, I'm not going to talk trash to you. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to fight with all my heart, a spirit, everything, and I'm just going to pray that you have a great life, right? And we move forward. So it was never like, I tried to just, I was angry and trying to hurt people. It's like, I do it because I love martial arts. I love the training, I love the fighting, I love the warrior culture. And I knew at that moment, if I really want to make a career out of this, I can't be even 99% in, 1% out. It had to be all the way in and still build life outside of it. But my, I started training when I was 24. I'm 29 now. I didn't grow up doing sports. I didn't wrestle. I didn't do that. So I knew my learning curve had to be expedited. So I just gave them all, and that was, that was the decision. It was 2018, so we're doing this full, full go, and let's get after it. Well, it's worked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very grateful. But, yeah. Grateful, grateful. Um, no, I mean, yeah, that, that's amazing. And um, I, I suppose, you, you know, maybe one of the blessings is you were in a, in a position where, you, you know, it, certainly I, I know a lot of fighters, there's, 
there's not a fallback and that that's like a really scary mm. uh premise and and i think uh, you were probably fortunate that if it didn't work out you knew you could have gone back to a, a you know a promising career in accounting then that's important too like i, I credit to my parents right so the fact that i didn't grow up playing sports and i was always like an arts like music was my first major african parents were like you are not doing music all right so we're doing accounting and it's funny we laugh about it but i'm grateful for them because they saw something i didn't see they saw me as like the oh he's an eclectic one he's a fun one but they can guide you in the right direction i think having parents that love you and can like correct you are so important right not everybody has the family dynamic that i have and i understand that but man when somebody loves you no matter how they say it straight up like it's important to take that advice because now i look back and look i'm cool like I'm grateful I'm part owner of a financial services company. I have my own businesses now, but I think because my parents pushed me to education, then I can like live the life that I'm living. And I'm free because I know, I, okay, I break my arm, I break my back. Like I can go use my brain and go become, be, be great and be successful in business. I can, um, I feel comfortable having connections and talking to people like you here in, in Triumph and asking the right questions about, hey, would we, can we work on this and do things like that? But without having that education, it's different. And then, I go to the gym because I'm free now. I'm not doing it because I'm like, man, I need to make money. I do this. And that's a big like mission of mine. I want to create a platform that can help fighters become financially free and get their education, whether it's associates, a trade, um, encourage them to do that and just have that open that conversation to let them know that it's possible. Because my coach Lenz and I laugh, like you really feel like God's blessing you more when you have a lot more money in your pocket, right? And it could really just be your peace of mind because you know that there's a roof over your head. A lot of fighters have kids, right? So you want you like, that's a whole other um, challenge right and like a, a blessing as well but it's different and i i, I really really want to see people be free and that that kind of helped me train differently too because i knew like okay i'm gonna go all out in trading i don't care if my hands broken my first six pro fights my my right hand was broken i was like whatever like i'm good but i'm not gonna go back because i know if i go back then i'm in it i'm gonna give my best and be like do my best in accounting but focus to be the best accountant i can be best kind of the world like that's how my brain works but just the fact that I had parents who saw it then, what education did for them. And they put it on my brother, sister, and I that we have to take it seriously. Um, became something that actually helped me train freely. And it's funny because I actually get asked about it a lot. And then I get a, some fighters or people reach out like, hey, what do you think about this, 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 and this? I'm like, no, definitely. I encourage every fighter, don't stop working. I haven't stopped working. I stopped clients. I'm still working. I'm still learning. My goal is to get my MBA next, you know, in this offseason, start that process, right? Like, I've been applying to schools. Because you don't have to be limited as a human. I like the old, uh, like, Roman Empire, African, African Bantu, Bantu empires, everything, like, from all through history, Ottoman. If you look at an empire, they're always, like, they're proud of their military, they're proud of, like, their, their trade and their education. Like, whether you go to Greeks, they have, like, the philosophers, you go through, like, every culture had their own philosophers in a way, Chinese empires, right? You go through, like, these warring tribes, you're like, man, like, I think the better fighter you are, the more you educate yourself and just, like, push yourself to be the better human man or woman and just allow yourself to grow because that will allow you to be free in training. And I think that helps you think better in fights and you're calm, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, so, I mean, you talked a bit, a bit about your dad, but, um, my dad was all, he would always, uh, preach the concept, uh, of a Renaissance man. Mm. It just, uh, and you know, he, he really kind of glamorized that idea to me of, you know, just somebody that's, um, a little bit dangerous in everything, right? right. Just knows enough about a lot of things. For, uh, you know, another way of putting it is uh, jack of all trades is a master of none. Mm -hmm. And some people say, like say that as a negative thing, but I think, I mean, it, 
uh, I appreciate somebody that's a jack of all trades and, uh, or, you know, like I said, as he would put it, a Renaissance man, there's something cool about that. 100%. It's so cool you said that actually. I met a coach, Coach John Crouch. He's like, you'll be, uh, be a jack of all trades and master of none. But then I remember that. I, I love him. He's still a great coach. He's really influenced my life. But I actually heard the full quote. And if I'm not mistaken, unless it was like a, just an Instagram video, but I like if somebody edited it, right? But I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to read up on it. I heard a great video that said, jack of all trades and master of none. And people cut it off. It's really supposed to say, a jack of all trades and master of none. It's better to be a jack of all trades than a master of one. And I thought it was interesting. And I was like, oh, like, people cut it off because they want to like, almost like discourage people from going after different things in life. Mm-hmm. But if you can start, I said, what if you're the person who becomes a master of everything? Like, why can't you be? Like, because somebody said you can't? Like, I'm not one of those people like, you, show, you tell me I can't do it? I'm like, okay. I'm not trying to prove you wrong, but I'm going to see if I can just see where I can go with it. And if I can be have 10 businesses that are making $5 million each, great. Or if I'm making 10 businesses, I'm making $50,000 each. But they're sustainable, we're profitable, I'm happy, and I can scale that. I'm, I, I'm like, I don't see that as a failure. And I, same with my education, being lethal with fighting. Like, imagine, like, you have, a, like you have a kid. So it's like you think about teaching them something. They can relate to you on such an educational level. Like, wow, my dad is so smart. But then they also see, like, wow, he's an athlete, too. And, like, the jock versus quote-unquote nerd thing is, like, a, a weird thing. But you should be both. You should allow yourself to be like you're. You're so much more complex than that. Like you have such a great brain. God designed you beautifully, and people are gonna be like, "I'm only one thing." I can't get with that. I can't get with that at all. So I think that's really, really cool. Like your dad encouraged you to be a, a Renaissance man, and I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, and uh, you, you sort of, I think you touched a little bit on, um, the, just your parents and and um, the the thought of uh, being a, a successful parent and um. And right now, you got to hear one one of my uh, brief conversations just now uh, before we started with my four year old, uh, where my my wife called me for backup to explain to him that uh, Groot is a tree versus a stick man. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, so so I have that four year old. I also have a seven year old, mm. and um, and that seven year old has started music classes, and he's mm. like he's learning the the piano, and it's like super super basic, but. Um, I'm crazy impressed already because I'm, I feel personally terrible at music. Like uh. if there's one thing I have zero skill set in, it's music. And, and already I'm, I'm sort of recognizing probably one of my biggest measures of that I'm going to measure myself on as, uh, as success as a parent is if my kids can do things that I couldn't. Mm. Right. And and it's just, it's just a funny one. Like if if um if my boys you know did, turned out to be athletes, I'm just like okay yeah whatever that's that's cool. It, like it it'll almost feel normal. Uh, but if if they can do that and or also do things that I could have never done, that's like that's incredible to me. Right. Like I'm I'm impressed with it. And but that's I also want that. Yeah. That's cool, and it's always nice because like sometimes I think. My parents never did this, but I've seen that from the outside in that parents are like, you got to be just like me. And then, then if you weren't like me, I back in my day, I was a beast. You're like, what if your kid, like people always ask me, will you let your kid fight? If you have a kid, if I, if I you know, God bless me and children one day, like, I'm like, if that's their calling and I'll encourage them in it, but I'm not going to be like, I'll, I'll, of course I'll be disciplined. I'll be, I'll be challenged them, but I want to be encouraged. I want to be the day that day comes. I want to be a dad, but it's so cool when you can be like, you don't have to like look at yourself and like, you have to be a copy of me. I want you to, great, if you see me as an example, great, they see you as an example, awesome. 
but the fact that they found their own thing and they're amazing at it and they found discipline they found a passion for it like and you can cultivate and grow that who says they can't be wildly successful in that too so I, I think that that's really really cool and like it's funny yeah hearing about the story about the Groot or just being in <laughs> on that call it's like oh kids are awesome like they're so passionate about something that in their mind makes so much sense right it's like no he's a stick man it's like well you're not wrong but you're not right <laughs> but you're wrong but I don't, it doesn't even matter right and yeah. then you're like and but for him it's 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 so much and it's just like kind of cool how your brain develops you can watch that then you see you can play the piano and you're you're learning and it's like that's just cool right and then you know you're him practicing it's smacking the keys and you're just like oh my gosh and then it's melodic and then there's the harmony to it and then he has a rhythm and you're like wow and who knows maybe that's what he just needed that time in life where he does it for the next hundred years like life is cool and i think that's one thing i love about music and i really think music actually going back to it being my first major in college i sang college choir did guitar tuba all this stuff so and trombone but i remember people would ask me what is it about fighting that doesn't get you know i'm so used to being on a stage i messed up on stage i've done well on stage it didn't matter and i think music is a really good foundation for athletes because it teaches you rhythm it teaches you how to think your hand-eye coordination's there you're reading something new like you're you're opening your mind to take you're listening to what's around you because you have to blend in with the, the ensemble right you can't just solo all the time it's not all about you sometimes you're a supporting role there are a lot of things that people don't realize in music that really help you become a better athlete but better human too and like i have a lot of friends who are musicians just growing up i went to an art school in middle school and then i kind of just grew up in it through high school but when i moved to north carolina but it's so cool when i see kids like take music and they apply it to their life like order uh direction discipline practicing right like having to practice because they know they need to get better like what a cool foundation to have at such a young age and like the scaffolding that they build in their mind like to one day say oh yeah i remember when i was seven years old or four years old or i, was, I saw my brother playing music or and this and then you're like what and you're like you remember that i mean i still remember mr maloon mr rick my guitar teacher and mr maloon my tuba in the, um, school and everything the art school i went to he said, if you can do it slow, you can do it fast. So sometimes I hit the heavy bag and I just do it slow and I'll train to metronome at times too. But you start seeing how you like, how you do it. I can't remember his boxer's name. His dad was actually a classical pianist and he was amazing at it. And world renowned. And it's someone to box. So he like you, he encouraged him to do something he hasn't done. And he's like, well, I can't teach you how to box actually from a boxer's perspective, but I can teach you rhythm. So he had his son just go between the notes and stuff. And I'll have to find that guy for you. But it's just insane to me that they can blend those passions right and 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 become something special so that, that that's really really cool to me and i like you know shout your kid you know practice and i love yeah that. well so man you you've just uh said something really interesting to me is the reason i was nervous to fight is because i wasn't used to being on a stage oh huh. so that, that that's super interesting because um like practice never made me nervous right yeah mm -hmm. like i we, we can go hard and I, like mentally i'd know like dude, my my training partners are way better than this guy right so um so was, there was never a, any fear of the the physical altercation or the combat or getting hurt um right. but any of my nervousness was hey all, like i i sold tickets to like 200 people out there <laughs> and and i need to put on a good show for like all of my nervousness was about uh performance and, and being in you know uh, and I, I enjoyed it, but I still like that. That's what gave me any, any sort of nervousness. It was mm. just the fact that it was a stage and, and I felt like an obligation to, to perform. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I guess I didn't really think about it until somebody asked me once and they're like, 
uh, Coach Jim was very, very influential in my life. He was a musician, and they laughed at me. Like, you don't play guitar. You don't play guitar. I never brought a guitar to the gym like I'm training. And so then one day they pulled up with a guitar and they played. I'm like, all right. So, (laughs) (laughs) of course, guys in the gym have to, like, have that thing. And I did. And they're like, oh, you can really play. I'm like, I can play the guitar. (laughs) And I still take lessons to this day. Like, I love Denzel Washington, right? He still takes acting lessons, but he's one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I've always been like a weird one, you know. I'm like, oh, if, if he pants me in front of 400 people, I just laugh about it. Like, I've done, I've like they say are embarrassing stories, but I just think they're funny. I think I was wired that way, kind of naturally, and then music encouraged that in me just to be the different one. But I played in church. I played bass guitar. I played guitar in church for a long time. I some of my mom's didn't inquire. My parents are always just like very encouraged. Having great parents who encourage you and people around your life who encourage you to like go up there and make a mistake. Go up there and do your best and be on your own, right? Then we, I can't even tell you how many times I performed, like especially too, but like when I was in middle school, we were going against community colleges, right? And different programs like across the country. It was a really, really top program in South Florida. High schools and stuff. So it was, it was pretty cool. Like you're used to being around older people, you're around this. And then like a lot of my friends went to NYU, so I went to like, uh, Berkeley. So, like, when I was around these people and I started to see them, like, wow, these people are, like, real, like, intelligent people, much better musicians than me by any stretch of imagination. I was just happy that I could be in that room. But I remember how many hours I practiced. And my mom, I'll never forget, I was sitting in, in the room playing tuba, and she's like, why do you practice so much? Like, I have to be the best. And she always reminded me that. She said, don't you ever forget that. Like, you have to be the best in anything you do. And she just let me play. And I would remember I'd play, and I'd play, and I'd play. And I'd put my, I'd take the amplifier, and I'd put it on the, uh, the windowsill. <laughs> I was like, why are you trying to show off all the time? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was trying to play like guitar solos and stuff like that. And just, I love it. Like I, when I ride the bike and I have my cardio system and I, li- I literally just like listen to guitar solos. Cause I think it's fun. Like Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, like um, old school guys. I mean, I'm talking about like just even just uh, goodness gracious, like trying to be good. Who wrote that? Uh, I'm going blank, but different, different artists who just are amazing. They're like classical music, even like Mongolian throat music. I try to find it and people find it weird. Like, I kill Cliff and I hear every single buddy talking trash. In the mornings, I'll go from like Randy Travis to worship music to hip hop to this. It's like, what? Could you just pick a genre? But I'm like, I like to try to find what's in the music that gets it going, right? And uh, find the different rhythms. And I love like salsa, especially when I'm boxing, like, you know, like uh, great Cuban salsa and stuff like that, because there's something special about music. But I just imagine being on that stage. That's, uh, yeah, they, they, that's my favorite sparring music, by the way. Like cool. I, I have a, funny enough, on my, on my phone, on my Spotify, yeah. I have a, a practice playlist and a sparring playlist. And uh-huh. my sparring playness, playlist is all like Latin inspired. Is it? And yeah. I, and it, I love it. I love to like just move. And it, it is funny. And like uh, a lot of my, um, it, it, if we haven't like trained together before or sparred together, like uh, a lot of my sparring partners will be like, the fuck you know or like the they'll and I, but it, it works for me like it yeah. just I, I like being loose and i like moving and 100 yeah. percent. i people laugh like we'll go to like fights especially when i was coming up and like i wasn't like, i don't know how well of a known fighter i am now but like especially then I, nobody knew who i was it's just you know a guy coming up i've seen him on a regional show right and that's cool that's part of the journey but i always like have the music and i was the coach is like all right get going yep this is, uh, I, I would say, I don't know if, like, regret's probably not the right word, but um, it was my, my, probably my biggest wish when I, was, uh, when I was competing is that a promotion would let me fight to music. Right? Oh, you know, all of the shows, cool. they, they, they turn it off. Right. But that would be, like, the, the ultimate 
experience to me is to to let my music play during a real fight. Man, I, I don't know if that's against the rules, but that'd be such a cool thing to do. Like if you had like, all right, like the favorite fighter or whatever you guys pick music and that random will play a different style. Just tell us your genres. Like we'll just play it and both of you. Can, oh like, yeah. Could you imagine like that would, that would add a different element to the fight, right? It, it, like it did to me that would like if it was my hometown show or whatever, that would almost be hometown advantage. Right. If, if I got to pick the song, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be I know cool. it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And like, you talk about that Latin music, like it has such like the syncopation, the timing, the rhythm, the move makes you want to go like, well, and Henry, he's from our, our head coach is from, um, the Netherlands, he's from, uh, he's, uh, he's Dutch, and he plays a lot of like house music. But you can just see like the gym's like happy, mm-hmm. people are going, and like, I mean, like, it's like, let's get down, let's get down a bit. Like, he just has this stuff, and we're like, he's like, he's like, it's happy music. And he was like in Ibiza when it was you no know, cell phones. He always tells me, like, he's telling the stories in the morning, he goes, Man, you go there, and you're, you're not, you're in the music, you're having fun. It's not people are not crazy, drugged out, they're just enjoying the time. And yes, yeah, people are enjoying, but they're just like really within the mix of it all. And enjoying and being present. Well, now people have to pull their phones out. They forget this. He's like, be present in training. Like, once you step on that mat, like, clear out the world and just go. And I get it. Then you can also see too when you play like heavy rap. Like, you see a lot more fights in gyms. And like, I think music is spiritual. So like, they'd be like, okay, like I see this, but I also know like what I need to put that on. I don't do it too early in camp because if I do it too early in camp, I'm like fighting all my teammates. Like, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Like, no, you're crazy. I'm like, give me bad. I'm crazy. And then they're going back and forth. But that Latin music. Especially too, and I feel like I'm like my feet are stuck in that morning. I always juggle, um, jump rope, and I'll shadow box. But my coach is like, "All right, let's get it going." And I've noticed like more days than not, especially when I'm like intentional about it. That Latin music, that uh, salsa, the the rhythmic music, like it's just you. Even like some African songs, like Afro beats. Like I'm just like, man, like this is cool because my body really connects with it. And I just want to be free, and I think that's how like you know. It, I mean, at least for me, like I guess YouTube is right, right? It helps you fight better because you know. You're just kind of in the flow of it all. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's just yeah, you you get you get into it, and like I don't know, I found like the more I get into that, the less you're in your head about you know what you're gonna do. You're just you, you get in that flow state. Mm-hmm. I I can even think uh, there's this uh, one specific song where there's just a a quick like clap in the middle of the song, and like I'll always stop and I'll clap my gloves and I'll punch you in the face. Ah. It works every single time. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. That's funny. The person's yeah. like, what just happened? But, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and those are the things that knock people out, right? In a fight, they don't see it coming, boom. And you just feel like that rhythm. And I mean, like, and if you do it over and over and over and over and over again, then your your body's connected to that and you find that rhythm within yourself. Like, I like kind of like move around before a fight, shake. Even I was listening to this song from the last fight and I was like dancing. My coach is laughing. He's Coach Dito Navarro, amazing man. So like my main coaches, I should shout him out, right? Who are always in my corner. Uh, Nick Lenz, fought in the UFC for a long time. Great guys, MMA mentor. Coach Dito Navarro pretty much runs my schedule. Great man, loving, tough on me, calls me out at any moment, does not care about the day, time, or whatever. He is, he's real with me. Great friend, great man, like a uncle to me. Coach Greg Jones, man, he welcomed me to the gym. NCAA champion, wrestler, three times, uh, thinks a lot, intense, you know, can bring it out of you. But every coach has, like, they're kind of, like, different styles of music, different genres. Like, you know, I say Coach Lentz is more classical, but then it turns into heavy metal. Coach Dieter, like, we have, like, that heavy rap, but he's also very chill, so it's almost like a country vibe. And then Coach Jones, like, I, like, if I could think about the place that he even plays in general, like, DMX, like, let's go at all times. It's like, when you go, you go. But you start realizing they're kind of, like, different, like, different tracks right but at each time i need each coach at a certain time and it, it all comes together very well you know you have henry but it's it's cool having you know 
people in your life who can bring things out of you the same way music does. And I think I encourage fighters not just to try to fit a stereotype because you want to be hard. Like, treat it like different martial arts. Don't just be a boxer. Don't just be a jujitsu guy. Don't just be a guy who does wrestling. Don't be this. Like, don't just be the guy who only rides the cafe racer. Try the adventure bike today and see what it's like, right? Like, if we're talking about motorcycles, it's just like everything has a time and place. And I think you do yourself a disservice if you don't want to go learn something new, experience something new. And I can definitely say that came from a musical background. And once I started getting in, like, the lights and on stage or whatever you want to call it, I was like, oh, it's another day. It's practice. It's comfortable. That's right? cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to quick detour, but I, I'm going to stick on this music theme. So yeah. um, just before we started, I was showing you um, some designs that my team was working on for a scarf yes. because we're about to go on the road. We're going to do this thing called the British Invasion Tour. Mm-hmm. And, and basically that this is uh, an activity that we used to do. We haven't done it since um, since COVID, right? So the last time we did these wintertime tour parties it was like the winter of 2019 into 2020, uh, and it was called the Best of British Tour. Mm-hmm. And and then we, we had to take a break from that type of like, you know, wintertime indoor parties. And um, But we like, I love them, people love them, so we're bringing them back. And uh, so th- starting in January, we're going to go back and we're going to go city to city. And we'll um, basically we... For one night only, we we throw a party in town, and and we bring all the bikes that uh, they're brand new bikes for the next year, and they're not in dealerships yet. Oh, um, so th- this is the first chance anybody in that city gets to to see all the new bikes, and um, but like not only do you get the a motorcycle experience and a product experience, you kind of get a fully immersive brand experience. So, uh-huh. um you know we'll have some cool uh activations and we'll have some live music and things like that but uh i mentioned you were we're going to come to miami so i'll get you that date for the uh the miami tour stop um but i'm going to ask you to to come up on stage and jam a little bit oh really hey oh, i'll yeah. come play a little bit yeah it'll be kind of fun <laughs> yeah man I'll, I'll come up with something too i'll get ready for All sure right. i'd love to i'd be honored i uh I play a lot at home. I mean, like, funny enough, I was dancing in my house with my guitar and I broke it. <laughs> and I hit a wall, but it's getting prepared. I pick it up actually when I get back home. But yeah, I've been like, I've been loving a lot of the songs. Like, you know that song, um, Richmond, North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony came out? I, I, yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. I like that song. I was learning that. I've always loved different worship songs. Then I learned my, my, my walkout song, The Goodness of God. But yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be kind of fun to do like a, like a sing along or something with everybody there. Like a, what is it? Why is it? Uh, like Sweet Caroline or something. Oh yeah, we, we, whatever you want to do. You you got the stage for. Uh, oh yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just um. So, so yeah, we'll we'll have um. We'll, we'll probably bring uh a guitarist on road for the whole tour with yeah. us. Uh, I I I hope that works out. I'm in discussion. That's actually going to be um, the son of one of our employees. So no way. Uh, that that'll be cool to to uh get that guy in the road with us, but. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll give you the stage and you, you can have some fun oh, uh, down fun. in Miami. Yeah. Heck yeah. I love that. Thank you. It'd be an honor. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. I've been actually talking to like one of my, my teachers about doing like some open mic nights and things like that. So he's always encouraging and he's like, yeah, just do it for fun. I always tell people like, now nah, I just play because like the day that I have kids, I just want them to think I'm cool. <laughs> you know, like, that's like, it. there you yeah. go. I used to be a musician forever and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. But maybe like, this dream can kind of happen now, you know? So thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I want to, we'll come back to your career a little bit, but we'll fast forward. So, uh, we kind of talked about getting into, to fighting, but, um, 
uh, ultimately you, you got to the point where you did a, a brief UFC stint. Yes. Um, so I think it came in, uh, the ultimate fighter and then, then did a few, um, you know, a few fights on, on that promotion. Um, and we don't need to, to dwell on that, but I, I, you know, I want to ask about a specific fight, which is, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you've been on the wrong end of, <laughs> yeah. of a highlight reel, this is, they would call it, but, um, it, 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 if anybody hasn't seen that, uh, basically you, I think you, you caught a kick and, uh, <laughs> and then your opponent, uh, landed, landed a kick while you're still holding Yes, holding their kick a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, could, could you just uh, take me through that period a little bit? Um, you know, like kind of physically, but even mentally, like, you know, what what is it like coming out on the other side of that and, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. just being on, you know, at, at that, could, could, I would say that's, for a lot of people, that's a low point in a career. <laughs> right. I, uh, so yeah, so I started the Contender Series. I fought twice and, um, first time it was pretty cool like to give the backstory it's i became pro in 2009 i started pretty much i had my first fight amateur was 2017 but i would not qualify that as training <laughs> it was like kind of like pretty much became the backyard bro like and then i had my second amateur fight when i decided to go for it 2018 in 2019 i went pro so i uh, had my first five or six fights in six months which is pretty quick usually fights are you fight that many fights in two or three years and uh, so I had the opportunity, the first time to fight in the UFC, to get into the UFC, I won. But Dana White said, uh, he's green, believe he'd be world champion one day, top five, but he needs to go back on the regional scene and go to another promotion. Come COVID time, 11 fights dropped in between that time, and then I had a kidney failure and all these different things, so it was just, life was crazy. And then there were no fights going on, and uh, I got my second opportunity to find a contender series. I won, got the contract, I fought nine days later, made my UFC debut. And then this fight, right? The one that a lot of people, you know, hear about my life, which kind of was like became a blessing. I thought this guy's like catapulted me. It's a guy, Joaquin Buckley, really good fighter, right? He's not like, people say, oh, he's not this technical guy, but he comes to fight. And like, those are the guys who like, I respect and I love. But also too, there's the guys that are dangerous, right? Because he's the kind of guy like, he's not necessarily trying to do all these other things, but he is technical in his own right. But what I really respect about him, he's just down to fight and he's ready to go. So, the fight, I keep making this pattern. I keep catching the kick. I'm seeing it, right? But I'm kind of letting my eyes trick me as well. He's setting me up. I don't catch it. He's throwing he throw the kick, uh, his body kick three times, and I'm blocking it properly. But I'm also, like, kind of getting a little lackadaisical and lazy with it, right? And I'm, I'm catching it. On the third one, I held it too long, and I'm watching what's going on. He spins, and he knocks me out cold, right? Like, just cold. I'm, like, out on the floor. I don't remember much of it still to this day. And uh, <laughs> I laugh because I'm like, all over the world and then I, i'm like what happened oh okay what happened like i'm just short-term memory loss right after a fight so my dad and i are in the ambulance and he's like don't look at your phone or when we're at the venue he's like look at your phone we're in the ambulance and i'm like okay he's like, i'm like oh that's what happened right he's like yeah and i said don't worry dad uh you know that goes right into you asked me the mindset so the first thing i said is all right that's cool so i made a post uh cool enough you know joe rogan shouted me out and it, it really helped me grow and i was funny enough helped my followers grow but um, I meant it. Like I was like, great kick. It wasn't lucky. He set it up well. Um, caught not just caught me, but he set me up with it too. So like he sniped me with it, right? And uh, it taught me a lot. It made me realize like I have to be that much better. But I wasn't discouraged. I was. I just told my dad. I said, don't worry. Next fight, I'll finish. And we're riding to the hospital in Abu Dhabi. And it was funny because I was. It was really dark. It was like in a desert. And it was just. That's how I felt in that moment. I was like, okay, like 
where am I right now? What do I do next? And I thought I could fight right away. I didn't know there were suspensions, right? Yeah. So I'm like, they're like, yeah, you actually have to wait 60 days until you can fight again. But that Monday, I was back in the gym. I was like, I got back to the United States from Abu Dhabi. I went in the gym. My coach was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm ready to train. He's like, be careful. I'm like, they didn't say I had a concussion. They just said you're out. And I was like, all right. So I didn't go crazy. I wasn't sparring heavy yet. But for me, it was like, it goes back to my parents. They never made excuses. My mom works 17 hours. She doesn't complain at all. My dad, he'll pick her from work, take her to work at 4 in the morning, come back late at night, does his own work. Never complain. We lost everything when I was young. Like, my parents never complained. We just stuck together. You know, and like for me, I was like, okay, like I'm gonna be a champion. And I, they were, obviously they play the highlight till this day all the time, and I get tagged in it. But I, it never bothered me because it was a great moment in time for Buckley. I know I was prepared. I know where there are areas that I made mistakes, and I can get better from it. And I always tell people like, which is cool to say today. I said, I got, you know, people ask me at the interview, I'll talk about it for sure. Like you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't run from your failures. I would say if you own the failure, then you can own the success. But if you run from it, you give it to other people to take control of. So for me, it was, uh, I said, you can play the highlight as much as you want, but the day that I become a champion, play that highlight too. You know, and, I, and I sit before you today and get to talk to you in honor, and it's an honor. Uh, I'm a world champion. I, I'm, I'm grateful, and I get to share that with people I love. I have Cliff and Joe here, like some of my great friends, and I get to talk to you. Like I'm really living a dream. I say I'm walking and answering prayers or riding, and I'm like, I'm Triumph Motorcycles are my favorite. It's not even because like I got to work with you all. It's just like, dang, this is cool. Like I rode other brands of motorcycles, but something about the style, the history of it, I'm like, dang, like you stuck with it. And then knocked a few people out this year, got some submission wins, and then like had a 25-minute fight that we dominated. And it's a credit to my team, not even to myself. It's like, God gets the glory first, and then everybody else who's helped me get here, even the guys here, like, I was like, man, how cool is that? And that was my mindset. It was always just, I'll be a champion one day. And, like, I appreciate all this. Um, and I don't think anybody, and it's funny, too, like, I think fighters and humans, especially young men, take it, like, if somebody shows something that happened to you, you take it as an insult. So you think everybody's a hater or coming at you. I don't believe they're haters. I think they're recognizing somebody who did great. Because, like, when you share my, me knocking somebody out, it doesn't mean you're putting that person down. You're just kind of celebrating the person who had the great shot. So my mindset was like, good for Buckley. He did his thing, and he has a grandma he takes care of. He has a kid he takes care of. And we've talked a bunch. Actually, going to hopefully like, you know, work with him with my financial services company. Like, we've always had that respect. And I mean, like I say, it'd be a great fight to have again, right? But it's not because I want to get it back. Because I want to show my growth to myself and my career and my life. But you can't really sit on the moments where you, you failed. And that's, that's my thing. And my parents, like, you chose the fight. <laughs> you, you, right. right. <laughs> this is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I yeah. chose the fight. I, you, you could have been an accountant in a, in a cubicle and I respect that. I mean, just met the accounting team here and I always smile when I see them, but like they're not getting in fight. I mean, hopefully they're not getting in fights back there. If they are like, Hey, they're fighting to make, you know, save money, but I'm in a great position. I'm living my life. Like, you know, tonight I go to Ireland and I get to go see with some of my great, two of my really great friends. We go to Ireland. I gotta go watch fights. Imagine if I hung my gloves up then. It's like, oh, yeah, you started training 24 in the UFC now. It took you a year and a half, and you just were complacent, and you settled on it. I'm like, you'd really miss out on something special. And I got this title, and go get many, many more. You'd be a great career, but it's like that moment itself set you up. My dad would always say, like, in order to get through it, in order to get to it, you got to go through it. He's filled with phrases, you know, dad phrases, which are great. I love them. And he goes, uh, in order to know my glory, first I have to understand my story. And up until that point, I really didn't have much of a story in MMA besides I was the young guy who's been trading for a year and a half, and now you're in the UFC. Cool, but how long can that last? But this Buckley fight, for the rest of my life, like it, 
it's with me and I own it. Like I take that moment, like I say cats have nine lives. Maybe I lost one that day, but I got eight more. I'm going to keep coming until I'm gone. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, that's amazing. And, and it really like, uh, I think in, in moments like that, I mean, uh, of course there's mistakes and, and the only true mistake is if you don't learn from it. Right. And, you know, you, you probably learn from it as a person. You certainly learn from it from a, a, a skill standpoint and a strategy standpoint, but <laughs> yes, sir, for uh, sure. yeah. Um, so then I, like, I don't know the exact, uh, correlation here. Um, but at, at some point, uh, and I don't know the details, but I, I've heard that there was a, a point in your career when you kind of moved to Florida and were, were staying in the car. Right. Where, like, where is that in the storyline? Yeah, so I'm so me moving to Florida, funny enough, before the Buckley fight, the one that got knocked out that we were just talking about, I was telling my coach I need people who can beat me up. I was kinda like shining at the gym, which wasn't which is healthy. Yeah. Where, this, where were you prior to the move? I was in North Carolina. No, I was okay. Gaston yeah. in North Carolina Jim Mo. Great coach, one of the best coaches in the world. I don't, you know, talk to him as much right now, but I the last time I got to see him was actually with my friend and great friend Scott Holtzman, who's a mentor of mine, who shout out to him when I was an amateur, sat on the phone with me for two hours. And gave me advice on what I need to do get to go pro. And uh, I wouldn't be a champion without both of them. So he, you know, I kept saying, I need partners who can beat me up. Like, I'm the big, I was a bigger guy than most guys in the gym. Fair enough. But nobody was really, like, training consistently. Like, you go to the gym, maybe there are two guys in the gym, three guys. And I was like, it's not, you know, it's not the environment that, it's not a championship culture. He's a championship coach. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's so intelligent. Everything from phys- physical fitness to training. Like, everything. Just the way you think. And I appreciate him. He helps me out. So, like conversations we had i'm still like learning from till today but after the buckley fight it was very clear when i walk in the gym I'm like okay if you really say you're gonna do this you left accounting you did this you're in the ufc now you got to make the most of it i moved to florida and things are going well like i'm still in the ufc i finished my next fight I'm like let's go i told my dad that my funny my dad he goes hey don't come home if you don't go win this next fight now he says and he's, he knows how to talk to me it wasn't insulting he's just like challenging me like you said you're gonna go finish you said you're gonna go claim this victory so go do it don't go over there just try to win well, I won that fight. Then I lost the next one. And it was like, due to my lack of organization in my life, I allowed myself to get distracted. Um, I thought I was going to get married and all these different things. So I, I kind of let life get to me, but it's my own thing to own, right? And I share that not because I'm like, woe is me, but more so you have to take control of like the ship in your life. And at that time, I was just probably like, <laughs> I'm very respectful of people who do go through clinical depression and stuff like that. And like there, and I, I wouldn't say I was depressed. I, would, I, I can't say I was diagnosed. I don't never claim that. But I was definitely in a dark state. I was just like, man, like, what's going on? I thought this was going to work out. I thought this was going to work out. I, and I was like, what do I need to do? But I still knew my calling is to fight. Like, I want to use it as a platform to help people. That's where God called me. But then nobody was taking fights, right? I was working in this, like, executive protection job. The deal was, you come here, you're going to keep your fight schedule. But, you know, and it didn't work out. It wasn't what we agreed on. And it's fine because that wasn't the main thing. But I met one of my best friends in the world who's sitting right here with me. So it's like, it's cool. But I was just kind of lost, you know? I was like, what the heck? So then I just was not making, like, the best decisions financially. I wasn't even thinking about it. Funny enough, with that accounting and finance background, even things you could be naturally or even taught to do well, and you could just kind of lose yourself in that. And I was just like, man, like, I wasn't training well at the gym. Like, I was just in a lost place. Like, my family's in North Carolina. And it was like one thing that challenged me to grow up. Then before you know it, I'm like, wow, well, we have no more money. <laughs> and I had no clients, and my clients were just out of town. They're going through their own life. But it was probably one of the most peaceful times, too. I'd wake up in the morning. I, I, I had this, you know, this car. It's like an SUV, this Chevy Equinox. And I had the motorcycle now, the Triumph. 
So I would just ride my motorcycle dash. Who I, who I, the reason it's called I call my motorcycle dash is because I would door dash with the triumph. So I would ride around and, and door dash around. And that's how I started making money again. I was like, okay, if I can door dash and make this much money, and that little like saddlebag I put on it, and I would bring it. People were like, you brought my thing on a bike. And people give me extra tips sometimes. So it's like, thank you. And like my stuff didn't spill. But I would just wake up really early. Even before that, before I was in the car, I was at the apartments across the street. I'd wake up early, like five or six. And I'd go to the gym, hit the bag before anybody came to the gym. And then I was like, well, I'm in the car. And I'm in the gym parking lot. You're a lot closer. So I just wake up, brush my teeth, shower, put some stuff in the microwave, and I would train. And nobody would know because I always thought, like like I said before, you own the failure, you own the success. And it's not – all my teammates, I ended up living with one of my teammates after my coach found out. But I knew I got myself in that situation. I don't know where I took that wrong turn, like, at the time, like, when I was, like, in it. But once I reverse engineered, I'm like, okay, you can – if you got yourself in this, you can get yourself out. Restructure your clients. You fought in the UFC. I got cut from the UFC by this time now. So it's like, now I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to own this moment? And how do I become successful with it? So I restructured my business plan, started charging proper rates. I started getting a better schedule. And I was like, man, like we're growing. Both of my teammate is paying my rent. I slept on his couch. I didn't want the room. I was like, no, I don't want like a handout. And then another guy lived there. He took the room. That's fine. And then I went to a farm, and I always wanted to learn. So now at this time, I'm make, making decent money a month. I could afford an apartment. But I talked to Coach uh, Dieter in his gym, and I said, I'm, nothing's going to stop me from becoming a world champion, and I need to disappear for a while. He's like, you're leaving the gym? I'm like, no, I just need to be away. So I moved to my friend's farm, Soul City Farm. I lived in a trailer. Like, like a real farm? A real farm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. animals and livestock. Animals, yeah, and yeah, cattle, yeah, yeah. bees okay. at the time, sheep. Uh, they started vanilla beans, and uh, it was mostly that, but it's all organic. And I lived in a trailer, and I was like, you know what? I still want to live off grid, so I moved into a yurt, like a pretty much like a Mongolia, like this tent in the forest, and showered outdoors. And uh, it was pretty cool. So I'd be in and out. If it was really, really bad weather, and I was going to flood and die, I was, would stay at my teammate's place again. But after a while, he moved out, and I just had the farm for like a good while, probably close to a year. And it was a good time to be isolated and give myself. I read my Bible. I train. I chill at the farm. I'd ride to church. I go to practice. I had an hour and twenty minute drive to the north gym in uh, Deerfield Beach, and I had fifteen minutes to Coach Dieter's gym. And like, I didn't tell anybody. I was just like, man, I like it out here. <laughs> Coach Lenz is like, hey, I want to come see the farm with my kids. And he's like, where do you? Where's your house on it? And I said, well, I got this yurt. And he's like, well, I'm supposed to leave my kids if they have to use the restroom or something. He's just so straight up and laughing at me. But I was like, oh, I mean, I still do with farm tours. He's like, ah, I'll pass on it. But you know, you look back on that moment, and I'm not saying proud of myself, but I'm just proud to have my parents because they never made excuses, and that's what I leaned on. It's like faith in my parents, faith in my parents, and I didn't tell them until one day they came to visit, and my mom was like, why are you living out here? And I knew, like, I had after the UFC, when I got cut, they are like, you know you can move back to North Carolina, but then I realized that, for me, would have been everything went to a waste. I didn't move to Florida to become just a good fighter. I moved to Florida to become a champion. I just knew it was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And, uh, yeah, that that day that we say it was when is November 24, 2023. But, man, we were putting the work in and reevaluating myself, and I'm I'm grateful. But I, I also say this, too, like, that's my story, and I don't think it's any um, – it doesn't make me any better than somebody else who suffered in a different way. Because I think sometimes people are like, look at my story, look at me, and look what I went through. No, I'm saying, like, that's what God had for my life. And maybe somebody else couldn't handle it. And maybe somebody else would pass it with flying colors. But that was my test, right? That was my test. And um, I'm very grateful. And I may have more, more tests in life and I accept them. And I, and I, you know, go on to take the challenges. But I don't want to be like a person that I'll get the question like, oh, like you lived in your car and this. I'm like, well, no, I got myself there. 
It's nobody else's fault but mine. And then, funny enough, one between two, I started working back in accounting, but there were some great people. Um, Matthew, thank you. He uh, let me work as an accountant and respected my training schedule. So I look back on that. I was really blessed with a lot of people who supported me in my dream, even though it sounded crazy. I'm like, I'm a fighter. I do accounting. I can do it. And I was working like accounts receivable and I was working some auditing and they're like, but I just got to get to practice and I'll be back. And I'm talking about, I would break every speed limit <laughs> to get to the gym and back and forth and put a suit back on and work. But it was a really good time because I realized like in that Buckley fight, maybe when I think about it, my brain was maybe like, you know what? If you get knocked out in front of the whole world, you can handle anything and you can be some, become successful again. You'll get back to major organization and soon enough, like you'll be champion. And that was, that's what that time period from that car till now and things I still reflect on and still learning from that period is in me. So um, uh, it's probably a good time to get a little bit into motorcycling. <laughs> uh, but, you, you know, just uh, hearing about almost how, I'd say you, you, you have, I mean, in general, you have a calm about you, uh, but you're, you're comfortable or you don't, you don't appear to kind of freak out in, hardship and times of hardship but it, you also have it seems like a a comfort uh in solitude a little bit and a lot of people enjoy riding motorcycles for a lot of different reasons right. uh, but i can imagine uh part of what you like about it is is just that you're one with the bike that's the that's such a great way to describe it like i do become one with the bike and i can't it's like almost like i can i will be able to one day explain how much that means to me right the i think out so People was like, oh, have you had time to sit down? I left my house in Florida at November 19th, and I haven't stopped moving since. Like, I haven't had a chance. I've been doing motorcycle videos, PFLK, did some filming on the bike. They're excited about it. They're like, let's follow up on the bike, see what he's doing. We met him in North Carolina. Cliff right here, he's been filming everything. Like, and I trust me, like, there's something called input time that I feel bad for people because they laugh. They're like, all right, so guys, we're doing this. This is the plan. This is the itinerary. Now, somewhere on the itinerary, I have not written it down. I'm like, we're doing this. What do you guys think? And they're like, oh. And Joe's like super stuck on a schedule, and it's great because I need him in my life. My family says you need a handler, and Joe's that guy. <laughs> but I'll just be like, all right, we're going to go do this. What do you all think about this? I think it could be great. And we go. But it's also, too, for me, like I'm on the bike, and I'm just like zoned out. Sometimes I turn the music off. Sometimes I have the music on. I can feel the bike shaking on me. Like you, like you, you rev it up, you're going, you're cutting through mountain passes, you're really focused. I really believe fight, like riding a motorcycle made me become a better fighter because you can't just joke around on a bike and say, I'm not going to focus right now. Like I don't feel like focusing, you know, like you're in that state where you have to be in it. And like you said, the solitude, like I, I like that isolation. I think that's something that helps me grow. So I love my people, I love my friends, I love my family, but with my life, like different businesses, fighting, all that, when I'm on the bike and I'm, using all my motor skills, I'm listening, I can smell what's going on, I can see the birds. Like yesterday night I was riding into Atlanta and I saw the stars coming from Knoxville, Tennessee, and I just kept looking up riding. I was like, wow, this is great. And like, I also feel like that's where I'm most connected to God. Like I can pray, I can, I can tell people like, oh, if I missed your phone call, I was like, hey, I was on a motorcycle. Oh, wait, wait, don't answer me. Don't answer me on your car though, right? Don't answer me on your helmet. Like, please ride, be safe, call me when you make it. It kind of gives me like a free reason to just, to myself in like in a, in, in a time in my life where I'll do every interview. I would say I never tell like a kid no about an interview. If like I now it's like okay, I'll just do ten interviews a month of people who are coming up. I don't care. Like I want to do it, and if I can do more, I will for sure. But I never want to. The person who's coming up, oh, you you don't matter. I get like the marketing, I get that stuff. But for me, it's like 
how do I help? So like, you know, my my people who help manage me and guide me, we decided like, it's like, let, let's still help people grow. But you get a lot of requests. You get a lot of questions. You get a lot of feedback. Like I, I sit down and people kind of wonder like, how you, you go crazy? Like I'm always up pretty early because I train clients at 4.30 in the morning and I have 20 sessions per week. But when I'm on the bike, I can't do any of that. I'm like, I'm not allowed to. I'm not able to. I don't know how I would. Like I can call people if I want to. I can turn my music off. I can just ride. And I, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, two in the morning, and I'll just go, or I'm sitting in my room, and if I don't fall asleep yet, I'll just go ride for an hour somewhere and just chill by the water. I've slept outdoors. When I was in Wales, I slept out in the mountains. That was fun. Because, like, you know, I think when they say, like, with, uh, when you're in nature, it's like God's talking to you. And then when you're in solitude, that's where you can hear him the best. And, like, for me, it's like I'm in that, that space where nothing matters. And I have to trust it, too. Like, you know, on any day on a motorcycle, it could be the last day. But I kind of like that, too, because I always feel like I'm closer to, like, eternity, right? Like, that's the, that peaceful state for me. I'm flowing. And you, you know that feeling when you're going a little bit faster on the bike and everything just kind of comes together. You're like, oh, okay, I see that. I see that. I see that. I see that, like, little thing in the road that I would maybe have never noticed. And I start to appreciate life that much more. But for me, it is that thing. Like, I'm in that final, I'm in that one place where everything's going on and I know things are going on, but I can cut it all out for just an hour. Yeah, how, however long that is. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. I, I love being on a bike. That's amazing. Um, how'd you find riding? Yeah, so my dad, he's, uh, like I said, he's very smart. He had a learning center in South Florida. John Smith Subs. I'm trying to find him. I've been trying to find this guy forever. I can only see one shop back in Florida now, in West Palm Beach. But he, uh, my dad used to tutor his daughter. And he would bring us to his house. Uh, he had another bike brand. I don't know if I mentioned So, um, <laughs> But it's another brand of a bike. And he would have it in his garage. And I would always look in there. I was a little kid no more than eight years old. And I'll go around with my dad, and we go there, and he lived this countryside, in the Royal Palm area in Florida. And I would say, I have to use the restroom, because next to his, the bathroom was the garage. And in the garage, there was this bike, and I would just look at it. It was pristine. It was beautiful, white, and chrome. I was like, oh, man. And they, and I didn't realize, I guess, when you open the garage door, like, they hear the garage door open, and then they they, they put two and two together, realized I was looking at the bike, and I would just kind of look at it. I was like, oh, yeah, I use the restroom. And I was just kind of trying to time it. But I was a kid, so my timing was probably like two seconds with like you use the restroom and wash your hands and And one day, you know, Mr. Smith, he came and goes, hey, you want to go for a ride? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like my dad's like, you can go. And my dad and I used to talk about riding a little bit too, so that kind of got me going. But when I got on that bike, I was freaked out for a little bit. I was squeezing really hard. And then he said, you can open your eyes, you can let go. And we passed over, like we were right near these sugarcane fields and we passed over this little creek. And I just never forget, I was like, in a dream. And I said, this is something I'm going to have one day. And it's always been some of mine. Like, I just, I'll watch bikes. I've read videos, Ace Cafe, the history of bikes in America, around the world. It didn't matter, like, as long as I could see that machine. And then it just kept growing and growing. But I wasn't allowed to ride. Obviously, my mom would let me fight. She would let me ride. And then, well, I could pay for it on my own. So, uh, uh, girl I did before got me a Christmas gift, and it was a motorcycle safety course, right? You know? Yeah. And I took that course. Uh, the first time I did it, I failed it. <laughs> Riding a two fifty, I was like, "What am I doing here?" And then I rode, and I, I took the just the retest, and I did that. And um, I knew I was gonna do that forever. And I just would ride every single day. I borrowed my friend Brian's bike. He had a Triumph. Uh, maybe first he had another bike, but then he had a Triumph Trident, and then he had a uh, he had a Speed Twin now. But then I got the Scrambler in between. And in between that time, I was in the UFC. My friend Jesse at Hex Moto in Boynton Beach would let me uh, work on bikes with him. Just a bunch of vintage bikes, vintage Triumphs, any vintage bike you think of. And we just took, remember we took apart this BMW motor once. 
And it was really cool. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I was like, man, I'm going to do something with bikes forever. I don't know what it is yet. I believe I can monetize it. I believe I can make it a business. I can believe I can make it a journey. But I'm going to do it in my own way. Kind of like, and I felt that same way when I first got into fighting. I'm going to make it work. I can be patient with it. So every day between practice, I would just go work on bikes for free. Like he was like, and then he started paying me a little bit. But I was like, man, this is just cool. Like he's a, we're really, really good friends. We talk about bikes all the time. I was like, I just want to learn. And then, you know, like, it's cool to be here today. And, you know, PFL's featured the ride and they call it, you know, Chilobo's Trek. My fight name is Chilobo, my journey. And I started a page just sharing my love for adventure, right? And that was kind of my thing. So every little thing just started connecting. I was like, man, like, it's pretty cool that Steve was planted at a young age. And, you know, here I am. I get to be a rider with Triumph, and I'm oh, grateful. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, by the way, just just thinking of um, kind of the motorcycles in South Florida, um, one of my, uh, to me, one of the coolest, like, moto coffee shops uh, in America is, is in Miami. It's Imperial. Yeah, yeah. I love Imperial. That's my spot. That, that place is cool. I've yeah. only been in there once. It was, it was fun. It was, geez, uh, four, four years ago when we were doing a tour party in Miami. Yeah? I, I poked uh, my head in there, but. Yeah, super cool spot. spot. Super cool spot. I'm happy you said that. When you said a please say Imperial, please say Imperial. Like, I used to live near there or closer to it. Now I live like an hour away. But when I was on the farm, it wasn't far. So I'd go there. Like, we call it my Sunday scramble. Oh, yeah. yeah, It's the Sunday scramble. I go there. I go to church. I train in the morning at 7 a.m. I go to church, shower at the farm, then just ride. I call it the Sunday scramble with my scrambler. And I'd always stop at Imperial Moto. And I just loved that. I had a hoodie from them, I had a, a sweater. But they were so cool. Just like, welcoming and uh one of the guys there he does jujitsu and it just became like a cool spot to go to but i it's a special place i love that place right on and uh i I mean i i've been following them a little bit it looks like they're growing they have a few spots now so uh really happy for them and Mm -hmm. um i follow them a little bit because i know the owner uh has a scrambler Mm -hmm. so he's got a scrambler 1200 and that's that's what i have at home oh yeah 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 i saw that that's really cool it's a fun bike too absolutely um, so we're going to come back to riding because I, I want to hear about the, the ride that you just had, but, um, uh, d- just want to uh, talk a little bit about like then the, this run that you had this year. Um, so, um, so PFL is a little unique cause, um, it's, I, it's one of the only fighting organizations that has a tournament system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a run of fights this year, um, earned your way into the tournament and then earned your way through the tournament, uh, ultimately to, um, to this title fight, which was. Was it a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now? Yeah, almost two weeks ago. Almost two weeks ago, November 24th, right? So, um, yeah, so on the PFL, Latin Amity Fights, uh, end of 2022, I got a call like, hey, um, funny if I was praying in my shower, ask God for a sign, and my the agent at the time, he said, hey, guess what? PFL's going to get you the Challenger Series fight. Challenger Series is like kind of like an audition. Cool thing about it was a lot of people like, wait, you fought the UFC. Why would you do that? I'm like, this is God's plan. I'm like, hey, like, wherever I'm going to fight. But I fought as low as 170. I fought 85, and now I fight at 205. I don't really cut much weight. And uh, I laughed because I said I started calling everybody out. Heavyweights, light heavyweights, welterweights, middleweights. I said, like, I just need a fight. And I don't disrespect people, but I was like, I'm here to fight. Let's go. Then I was in the hospital. I got a bad staph infection. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, sidelined for a while. I had like an inch and a half. Uh, deep wound that I had a pack at home myself. oh that's serious yeah yeah really bad and uh i don't think it was life-threatening but it was definitely like career-threatening in a way if yeah you never know what that was right? right yeah and uh so i was in the hospital for year, almost a almost five days i would say maybe plus or minus right and then uh got the call but i was still like packing the wound i didn't tell pfl <laughs> didn't tell y'all but uh yeah so i got the opportunity to fight the challenger season march and i thought i got you know so you fight to win the contract to get into the season 
So like, oh cool, I won. And like actually, you got the alternate spot. And I was like, oh okay. But I was like at that time, I was like, I'm just gonna keep trusting God now. Like I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm fighting again. I'm happy. Let's go. And then before I even walked out the cage, like you ready to fight in two weeks? Like sure. So I thought it was gonna be me fighting, and they said I'm like I'm ready to go. It's a showcase fight. You got Corey Hendricks. I love that fight back. He is a tough fighter. I won. But, you know, it was a decision I wanted to finish. And, like, he's a very good fighter. Probably one of the better fighters ever got to fight. And so, but then it's crazy. A lot of guys cheated and they failed their drug test. So all these light heavyweights got pushed out the division. And I got my opportunity to fight and get points. Uh, so I fought in April. In the summertime, I fought in Atlanta. And, oh, yeah. Fight. I'm so bummed that it, yeah. like, so, like, we didn't know uh, <laughs> each other back then. It was right. super cool to, to come to the Atlanta fight. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's crazy, right? Now you think about how, like, that full circle moment. Atlanta's always special to me. I fought here twice, the Coca-Cola Roxy, then I fought at the overtime. And now y'all are here. I'm like, Atlanta's always been that cool spot. But it's crazy because I was like, I fought that fight and uh, I had to meet this guy, Tim Karen. He walked out to Milan's song, which is just interesting to me. But I, I thought it was funny, too. But I was like, there's no way you're losing this fight. We finished the fight, and I first round finish. So PFL, like you said, the tournament, and it's a season format. So you get points by six round, first round, more points, second round finish, third round. All you know, it decreases as you know the fight goes on. First round finish for sure in the in the semifinal. Second round finish need to be a certain time. I got a second round finish. I'm grateful, and um, they're trying to get the order of it all. Thank God I got in, and then I fought in San Antonio. I fought this guy Martin Hamlet. He's a he's a tank of a human being. He's a Viking, technically. He's one of his, the oldest town settled by Vikings in, Nor- in Norway is where he's from. So that's pretty cool. I fought a Viking. Yeah. And I, got, I knocked him out. So I was happy about that. And then uh, after the semi, after the season, like the first two fights are the qualifying rounds. And then it's about you win, you move forward. Fought in San Antonio, Texas, which is really cool. It'd be a place I like to ride for sure. Got a cool cowboy hat. And uh, yeah, I won that. And then I fought this guy, Josh Levera, from American Top Team. In the final here in or sorry in Washington D.C., a lot of history between our gyms, American Top Team. You know, you could go back to the Hard Knocks, Black Slayton days, particularly. But I I didn't grow up in that, so I was like, oh, I mean, it's just it's another fight for me. But yeah, he's a good fighter, very good. He was finishing guys throughout the season. He was dominating, and then you know we had a twenty-five minute scheduled bout, and it went twenty-nine. You know, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, so, yeah. So you came into this. Um, the, technically, you uh, a lot of people saw you as the underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this fight, but um, I mean, just everything about your mentality <laughs> in, in your mind, you weren't. Uh, a, you clearly had a, a game plan. Um, you know, this is. I, I'm sure a lot of this is things you you worked on back at your gym. So, um, I, I, if I don't ask you now, I'm going to forget about it. But so y- your gym now is 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 Killcliffe, right? Yes, sir. Is that um, w- what's the? Is there a correlation? Like, is that also an energy drink? Yes. What is, how does that work out? So Kill Cliff is an energy drink. It's kind of like, you know, you, you have the monsters, the Celsius of the world. We're, we're Kill Cliff. It's uh, started by Navy SEALs. Uh, Joe Rogan's a big part of it. And uh, our gym was, you know, got to be set up, you know, to have them as our uh, as our team. So we're an MMA. Okay, so there is like a, there is an affiliation. Yeah, there's an affiliation. Okay, gotcha. yeah, we're an affiliation. We're actually an MMA team, right? Like, I mean, we could fight each other within the gym. Like, you have guys kind of doing it. Like, Ian Gary trained with us a little bit. Nice fighting Luke, you know, and... um you know, Luke is our guy. I've met Ian. Love him. God bless him. But, you know, like, Luke is fighting over gym, so we're cheering for him. Or that's what I'm going for. And, like, Luke has a huge impact on my career. But Henry would always say, you get great, you get solid enough at this, you get to fight people you train with because you guys helped each other get there. And you got to have that respect, right? So um, the 
the gym. You know, it's based, you know, backed by Kill Cliff. They sponsor us. They help us have a great, beautiful facility. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun place to be. Maybe if any guys on the mats, you talk about guys all the way from Aaron Jeffrey, Gilbert Burns, Gregory Rodriguez. Like, you have some top, top, top. Brendan Allen. Uh, I'm going. I could, yeah, no. Was, yeah. I mean, so yeah. I looked it up before this. Yeah. I mean, the roster is is staggering, right. uh, actually. I mean, it's so <laughs> funny. The, the, the two that stood out to me. Uh, one just is, so I'm a stand up guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tyrone, oh, Tyrone Spong, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just f- phenomenal, uh, right? Yeah. Watched a lot of his, um, his kickboxing fights and then at Robbie. Probably so, um, when, so I grew up in, in Milwaukee and every once in a while, um, we, we take the drive to Militich and Robbie was at Militich back oh, in the wow. day. Yeah. Um, but, um, the first time we went there, it like, I saw the a difference in levels, right? Mm. It, that that was like an eye opening, like, oh, this is That's real. this is what this sport's <laughs> yeah, about, right? Yeah. And and it was I I I didn't train with them, but they're one of my teammates did, and like my teammate, like you know, he was good in our group at the time, and he just got worked, like he got <laughs> pieced up all night, and I was right. like, oh, dang, like right. okay, well. You know, let's get to work. Let's get better. But yeah, right. It's um interesting. I don't know if you do you know you know Jeremy Shart, Wisconsin guy. Yeah, right? we yeah, trained together. Yeah. This guy, uh, um, the you know, Coach Strout. Um, yeah. So so uh Jason so Jason um he was he was around like maybe my first year. Okay. And then he moved out to New York. Small yeah, world, right? So I, I like. I don't like I I know him not very very well. I don't know if he'd remember me cuz oh. it was just I mean it was forever ago and I was like the the young kid at the gym at the time. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a little he's a little older than us, but uh uh yeah, back to Robbie though. Robbie Robbie and Tyrone specifically this past fight and fights in general like been a huge influence. Like Tyrone would talk to my coach and give me great advice. Hopefully I get to work with him coming up on his whatever he has coming up, you know, and but intelligent beast. He drove me some of this camp. I'm grateful for him. He picks it up. He learned under Henry, you know, and like great coaches too. And it's cool when you have like an environment like that of all these minds that come together, right? And Robbie, I mean, he was just on me this camp, and not, not in a negative way at all. Just more like just giving me so pushing much, yeah, yeah, pushing me, right? Giving me just like so many different, um, different pieces of advice. I got to work with him, right? Once a couple, actually a couple times, and he's just you can see what made him the champion that he is. His focus, his discipline. He likes to read, you know. He's just a interesting guy people always see him as quiet but in the gym it's cool to see the other side of his personality too but i remember he talked about the military guys they said people come in the gym and like they realized like it was different and they would back in the day i mean it was even probably rougher than what it is now right and yeah that, i mean that, uh, frankly that was when people weren't training smart right, right. <laughs> and they would just go yeah. and break one another and crazy guys are still standing up there. it was a make it or break it right. uh i mean you know hey a lot of guys made it but i th- think they broke a lot of guys too and right it was just a different time right? different but, time yeah. yeah he's a special guy i mean i really really appreciate robbie and all all that he's done you know all that he's done as a fighter all he's done as a man and what he still continues to do today he's, he's been very influential on me and actually funny enough robbie you know he was in the ufc then he was out of it strike force then we got you know back in the ufc but i remember uh I got come from the UFC. I got back to the gym, and all, Robbie just could stood up to, next to me right before I walked in the locker room. He goes, "You know what you do now? Like, hmm, what is it?" He goes, "Just focus on getting better." It's so simple when somebody says it like that, but coming from him and how he said it, and the intentionality and the intensity he said it with, wasn't super yell. He was he's not a yeller. He's not anything like that. But the way he said it, I was just like, "All right, I got you, and I got you." And then and. 
That's it. And then, uh, so yeah, so now you had a, uh, incredible year. Um, you know, you, you've got, you, you've put on skills, Thank uh, you. since then. And, and you came in with, uh, j- just phenomenal game plan, right? Like, cause, uh, uh it was, it, it was funny as an underdog, it was a, a very, very one-sided, Thank you. uh, result. So uh, incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have like, it's a, there's a verse of like wise counsel leads to success. Right. You know, and I have Dita Navarro, Nick Lenz, Greg Jones, who are my main cornermen. Then I saw Henry Henry Hooft, who's watched my rounds. Tyrone Spong, we talked about Robbie Lawler, and those are a lot of people in my ear. Aaron Jeffrey working with me, my teammate. Um, Gerald Mearshart, Herbert Burns, Gilbert Burns, like different people who just like you can go back and forth with. We talk about Coach Dieter's gym in Miami. He has a gym in Miami as well. Excuse me. He has kids. This kid named TRS, a uh, really good boxer, not even eighteen years old yet. One, you know, nine, eight years old. Kids fight, and they're back in the gym the next day. The amateur, uh, kid Alfredo, Elvin Espinosa, Brian Roque, Coach Dieter's like second in command. And man, like these guys, like you'd be surprised about all the people that help you become where you are. And I was like, man, like I know that when I get in this fight, we're claiming this victory. Just be smart. I don't talk a lot. I love what Sunday says: keep your plans dark and impenetrable. But when you strike, strike like lightning. Right, and I and I live by that. I don't want to come out here like I'm gonna do this. I mean, Josh was talking, and I respect him. He's probably getting hyped for the fight or trying to sell it. I don't know. But he's gonna step into this fire and all this stuff, and I'm like, say what you want. Like, I don't care. Like, I if you knew not what I've been through, but like with the things I've learned through what I've been through, and like watching what my parents and other people have been through, I'm not concerned about that. Like, I know I'm gonna go claim this victory, and it wasn't like let me show you. It was like I don't seek my validation from that. I say my gosh from God. And I want the people that I come home back home to to respect me. And I said, how I fight is important. Like I said, if you're leading heaven's armies, how would you fight? And when I come home, I'm going to look at my dad in the face and say, I didn't give him all. That's not a, that's not a thing. And I'm not going to do anything to put my family out of position to succeed. So I take it very seriously. I joke a lot. I have fun. But when it comes about focus to be the best, focus to dominate, do this, I don't think fighting is a sport. Like, it's cool we can call it a sport it's legal to make it legal but you're taking your shin and putting it on somebody's skull and they're having knocked out like that's brain trauma like in football yeah you throw a ball you catch him you run you kill each other because like if you even look at any sport right when everybody gets really mad where they start resort like getting to they're about to start fighting that's not part of the sport there's something within you you can go primal you can go spiritual you can go mental physical about fighting that means take the ref away People look at the referee and say, oh, the referee's here for a sport. Like, no, the referee's job is to make sure that person doesn't die at the end of the day. Like, this, he doesn't have brain damage. He's not in the hospital forever. And I think that people forget that. And it's also, too, it's like you can relate to motorcycles, right? Like, the great engineers you have, like, it's as beautiful as a bike is. That thing better ride, turn on and off. The brake system better work. Every little part of the engine better work. Like, your job is to keep those people the best you can to keep them alive. They do take the risk. When you ride that bike, they're focused, and what they do also plays a role. But the ones who build it are there too for a reason. It's not. It's just like it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a warrior's lifestyle. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's something spiritual. So I always try to tell people like it's not. Don't just try to get into fighting because you think it's fun. <laughs> like, go train, hit the bag, stay in shape. You better have a deeper reason than just trying to show it. And I know I noticed in that fight, and like I can even go back to the fight. I watched Josh's dad fight. I'm not going to disrespect him at all. Nothing against Conan. And I watched Josh fight, and I saw similarities of where I believe that I can attack and capitalize and I have great coaches around me who can recognize things and I'll go deep into it. I'm not looking at it like, Oh, like what's within that 
bloodline? What's within that person that is a similarity? And how do I find that? And if I seen you quit, I can find that. I can break it. I can pull it out of him. If he cower away, which I've seen, and is respectfully watching his dad fight, nothing against his dad, great man, built a great gym, and I can watch you fight, and I see it, you cower away. I'm like, I will push that. I don't care if it's bloody. I'm really not like a person like to talk trash, but I don't really mind dying in the cage. And it's not like it's something I'm like, oh, I'm trying to do this. Like, I'm going that. But I, I, I say it in the sense like, I chose to do this. This is my thing. I'm like, people say, what happens if you get on a motorcycle after a fight? You can't fight anymore. I'm like, I chose to get on that bike. Same thing. Like, I love it. This is my calling. It's part of my life. And if that's the way you got to go to heaven, cool. I'll ride a bike in heaven. And like, you're crazy bad because I don't see it as a sport. If it was just a sport to me, you consider all that. But when it's your life and your lifestyle, you know, a great quote I like it says, once you know your purpose and you know your calling, you also know your fate, right? And many great warriors have died in battle. So it's like, cool. Again, I understand that like, I'm taking life points, broken hands, knocked out, uh, kidney failures, torn ligaments. Like, if I'm an accountant, I'm, unless I'm like just falling down a staircase every day, it's probably not happening. But, you know, you see the great doctors and you see their minds just kind of go. The great musicians, like talking about Jimi Hendrix or somebody, you're like, why is he so different? But he kind of chose his fate too, right? He chose his fate and that's where he is. It's so you kind of know it. So, um, the game plan, Coach <laughs> Jones says, run through a mother effer's face over and over and over and over again. Coach Lance, be intelligent. Coach Dieter, let's do this, right? But everybody's like a different genre of music that you have to turn on at a different time. And like, I hope it was shown in the fight. And I'm, I couldn't even get past watching round two. I haven't finished the whole fight yet because I'm still mad at myself about things I could have done better. But it's a, it's a credit to my team. Uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then after the fight, but before the fight, you knew. Like it, it was, it was amazing talking to you like ahead of the fight that you you knew the result uh, ahead of time, and then you knew that to celebrate, all you wanted to do was go on a road trip on a motorcycle, <laughs> yes, which, which is amazing. So, um, so ultimately, you've just uh, ridden here to Atlanta from DC over the past uh, week or so. So, eleven days. Um, how's your road trip, man? That's amazing. So we started in DC. So I, well, claimed victory in the fight. Uh, during the fight, we got to go to the Dulles. Uh, Dealership does motorcycles of Dallas. It does motorcycles. Second battle. Sorry. Um, awesome facility. Beautiful. You're right. It was great. They treated me really well. Shoved me the bike. Rode Triumph Tiger 1200 um, GT Pro. Yeah. Never, it, it, had you ever been on an adventure bike before? No. This first time on an adventure bike. I never rode a dirt bike. So I was like, this is cool. Yeah. Thing, I mean, I tried to make my scrambler a dirt bike and or a uh, yeah, adventure bike and got stuck <laughs> in the Everglades. And I was like, this is not cool. But this bike amazing like I, I i could do like a whole piece on this bike this bike was amazing you're spoiled now what so spoiled <laughs> i was like man, i don't know like i'm gonna be kind of sad if i ride another bike and i did i went back home for 24 hours one day and i looked at my scramble i was like i'm not gonna ride it yet because if i ride it and then my experience is different i'll be like man i'm not i'm not gonna sell this thing i love it but such a cool bike the next the next day my team and i we went over to the, the dealership picked up the bike they already gave us a ran through during the week hooked up with some cold weather gear so thank y'all so much because it was freezing on the way down and we hit the road. Two of my great friends, Cliff Barrett, Joseph Howell. Cliff was filming, Joe was driving, and we were on an itinerary that I don't think we stuck with once and it's all my fault. <laughs> I don't know, I don't think I, don't think I did. <laughs> but we, we rode it into Richmond, Virginia, and went to this really cool Irish pub, chilling, got some good food. 
mentor of mine, Jack Daly, is like, hey, I have this Navy SEAL friend who lives in Virginia Beach. It's almost one in the morning. I think we're going to chill all night or keep riding down to Charlotte or Raleigh, North Carolina at the time. I was like, guys, you want to go to Virginia Beach real quick? We're not going to be off schedule, which we ended up being off schedule. And we got it, but I got taught this guy was a Navy SEAL for uh, 37 years. And what a cool experience. Like, I do different interviews along the way and just ask people questions and just get their advice. I'm going to share it you know, through the next coming weeks. And uh, it was so, so cool. It was a lot of fun. Then went to Virginia to Durham, North Carolina, slept the night, uh, fell asleep at a gas station. I was like, I'm just chilling here, a little, little rest area kind of thing. Oh, this is cool. Super cold. Rode down to Charlotte, North Carolina, spent time with my family for a couple of days. PFL filmed a lot of it, which is cool. I think they're actually, they just texted me before this. They're working on like the cuts and edits of it, the see of my life on the motorcycle. Then I went to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee to see my little brother coaches basketball. That was another so many hour ride. I got to calculate how many miles we went because we went thousands. But then went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. And I have to say Saudi Daisy because if I don't shout out Saudi Daisy, it's a little town right outside of Chattanooga, pretty much. But super cool. On the other side of the dam, they're super cool people. My nana lives there, Peyton and everybody. My family hosted my family. It was just a great time with the church. Went back to Knoxville, see my best basketball practice. Went back to Chattanooga. And then we took the ride to Atlanta through the night last night. Beautiful ride through the mountains coming down. Everything was lit up on the side of the, you know, the highway. Saw the stars. Went up to Roswell to that really cool shop in Pops Coffee Co. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, Pops. So oh, um, it, cool. it started as um, it, it, there's Pops Garages, like just a custom shop, and then they had Pops Coffee. Mm-hmm. And then um, the, he saw that there was an opportunity that there wasn't a Triumph dealership uh, up that way, and he actually reached out to us and asked us if wow. uh, if he could open uh, open up the Triumph shop. Yeah, wow, he's so smart. Whoever like who started that, I mean. Is, he, is, like a, is this pop? Is this what we call pop? Or is this called pops? Uh, you know what? I got to ask him. So is, uh, uh, the, Gordy is the, the owner of it. I mean, he is an incredibly uh, intelligent man. He, he was a um, very successful uh, executive for many years in, in a different career. And, okay. and now he's enjoying motorcycles. Motorcycles are his passion. And really? so he gets to enjoy motorcycles now. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a, that shop is so well set up. It's clean. It's not the biggest shop in the world. But golly, the way that you set it up, like you walk in, you're like, wow, what an experience. Like you walked into the coffee side, the staff was amazing. Talked about bikes, like shared it with us, like gave, gave us like a tour, then they grabbed some gear, stuff I needed from before Ireland. But it was just a cool, cool experience that I've been in a few different shops now, I could say around the world, right? From uh, Wales, uh, just like a, a motorcycle shop in general. Uh, I want to go to Bike Shed Motor, that'd be really cool. I haven't been there yet. But um, just different places in the United States. And I've had such, such a great time. And it's been like, when I walked in this shop, the welcoming, the cleanliness, the way they set up the bikes, the look, it was just super, super, super cool. And uh, I thought, I was just filled with gratitude because when I rode in, there's the last spot that I got to be with that tribe. <laughs> That's kind of sad, actually. I rode in and I almost parked on a hill. <laughs> and I didn't realize. I was like, I cannot drop this bike here. We made it this close and I dropped this bike. And then, uh, you know, Cliff catching me rolling in. I parked in this motorcycle parking. It was just a cool setup and such a welcoming spot. Had a breakfast. Super happy. Great breakfast. And, uh, man, it, it was just like that. That shop to me was like, what a place to finish. And you, you said you're going to like it when you get in. I was like, man, like, what a cool way to finish the trip. Like, that just made me graduate. And I felt like I really, I was like, I'm li- I was like walking or fighting and answering prayers. And I'm riding in them, too. Because when I did that, I was like, dang, like. You just did something with one of the coolest companies in the world, regardless of any kind of business, regardless of any kind of motorcycle brand, historic, 
and you're 29 years old, you have your title and way to way to end this part of the stateside trip, right? And get back to training. We'll go soon. But that to me was such a good moment. And I remember I laughed. I was taking stuff to my friend's car and I got some gear and I was about to walk back to the bike and I was like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh man. So <laughs> it definitely hit me. It was a little, little, uh, little, little, uh, little, little painful, a little painful, but it was good though. It was a good pain. Oh man, it's amazing to hear. Like I, I'm, I'm happy that we could just help make that memory, you know, for you and you. and uh, you know, and forever have that trip be connected with, uh, with that fight. And yeah. uh, so, uh, very happy for that. And then, um, I mean, I, funny enough, I, I know you have a lot of riding planned in your future. So, um, I, you have the ambitious goal that you'd like to ride a motorcycle in every state of the country yes sir so my goal is to ride every state in the country uh i was gonna do it this year actually i thought that's what it was but the bfl season came and it's okay like i'm, I'm trust me i'm grateful <laughs> like uh but it to hit every state i can say i definitely checked off some more states now um every state in three countries in the same year is a goal uh this year i'll go to ireland i ride a bike we'll see but it's no big deal it's like but i, I got already got to be i've got to ride in wales I rode all the different countries, parts of the United States, but I just love riding. I want to share that. I would say my fight name is Chilobo. My dad gave it to me. It means mighty warrior and a god. Say that slower. What does Ch- it mean? Chilobo. 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 So it means mighty warrior and a god. So my faith okay. is important to me and my culture is I wanted to blend it. So my dad gave me the name before my first amateur fight. And it just like when the warriors would fight, the Bantu culture, like where my dad specifically from, the two warriors would fight and whoever won got the name Chilobo. So every time I fight, I get to earn my name. That's how I look at it. Like I don't just say it as like, Oh, I'm Chilobo, you call me, I'm like this murderer, dude. No, I'm like a, I have to earn it every single fight, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, thank you. And so he gave it to me, and uh, I, I, I take it to heart. I'm like, when I go in that fight, I got to earn this name. You don't just give it to somebody else. So Chilobo, T-S-H-I-L-O-B-O, and Trek, right? Journey, like T-R-E-K, 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 good luck. Um, put it together and that's my journey like if people follow my fight in k5 on instagram all that stuff right so you can see my fight life and the normal stuff but I'm, that's not strictly all i am like i love education i like reading i like learning i love business right i want to get my mba some schools in mind but i really love exploring and uh chilobo's trek is like how you can follow my journey and just kind of hear my thoughts so chilobo's thoughts my journey i just write you know different things and Hopefully find it encouraging. A lot of my finding is faith-based. This is too, but it's just like different like stoics that I read about, different journal entries, different people I've talked to along the way. I have like so much stuff to actually re-put on the page, but this journey was part of it. And like I think people kind of find you as a fighter, so they think, you know, oh, you're just a fighter. Not like there's a lot more to me that I'd like you to know, and I think hopefully I can use this platform to be encouraging to you. So, yeah, that's it. And like, I kind of went on tangent there, so I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, that, that's where the, the having this fight attached to this bike this whole journey at the right time. Even if I met y'all when I fought in Atlanta, maybe a little bit different. It'd be cool to like build together. Right. But it wouldn't be the same as you just got your first world title and you get to go think for I don't know how many hours I rode. But it's so worth it. And I mean I got in the car and I was sleeping on my way here, hit up for like ten, fifteen minutes. But it was worth it. I man, like what a good feeling it is to be exhausted from doing something you love. And I'm I'm so grateful and appreciative of y'all for like believing in me and and working with me and yeah i would love to work with y'all more but just like my like my mentor says he's like how if you did it once and you got to work with triumph how cool is that like i got this cool jacket i'm wearing now like the office such good gear 
But it's like, this is going to be the jacket I'm going to give my kid one day. You know? Son and daughter, I mean, the day I did get married and all that stuff. Because I wanted to be that thing that got, like, tattered up. Just just, just wrecked, you know, a little bit through the weather. And then the wire and tear. And then one day they could be like, dang, that was my dad's jacket. And, like, this is the, the first one for me. I'm like, there's something special about this. And, like, at this time, the, for this time, I'm grateful. So thank you all for this. Oh, yeah. And you're more than welcome. Um uh, well, it, thank you for, you know, it, you've also chosen us, right? Yeah. As your first bike and, and, uh, and a company that, um, you know, you want to be in company with. So, uh, amazing to sit down and, and chat with you. I, I want to, I want to finish with one last question. It's kind of going to bring everything full circle, but, um, you know, we, we started talking, uh, about your parents and everything. What did it mean to you after you won that, uh, title to have your parents in the cage with you? Oh, you gonna do that to me now? Really? You gonna get me like that? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get me crying out here. So for me, about every time. Um, excuse me, sorry, I got. This. So my my parents, right? Like my dad, I talk about him. He's a great man. He's a great dad. My mom, they are so loving. They sacrifice. They don't complain. We lost the house when we were a kid. You know, if you get to know about the PFL season, you become a world champion, but you also get a million dollars, right? You know, taxes, but whatever. You still get a million dollars. And they've sacrificed. They've never complained once. They've always focused on faith and encouraging us. But funny enough, between maybe the fourth and fifth round, Coach Dieter looks at me and goes, look at your parents. And they, brought, they bring your family close to the cage, to sit cage side. It's like, look at your mom. And all and near the end of camp, Coach Dieter knows exactly what, all my coaches, they know exactly what to say when. They told me, he goes, my mom worked 17 hours as a nurse, never complained, come back. Sometimes she's worked. And I found out, actually, when we went to our hospital, we rode over there, PFL came back. They asked her, he's like, What's the longest shift Dolly's worked? They said 20 hours. I looked at you worked 20 hours shift? I felt like such a bad child. I was like, man, like, I'm so sorry for the times in high school where I was a jerk. <laughs> you know, like, but it's all that. It's all that culminated. She works, but her feet hurt, her knees hurt. She just pushes through my dad the same way. And in that moment, I knew that, like, I can impact their life to where they can rest more. I can set up a future for my, my family, right? It's the first initial capital to invest. And it made me so hungry because I said I wanted them to feel that experience every single day of their life. And that's what it felt like. It wasn't even the money. It was like the title. It was like, man, we did this together. You believed in me. It wasn't like, oh, you didn't want me to fight. That's so stupid. It was, thank you for believing in me, taking that abstract route, trusting me with that. And now, I know you're kind of worried about me going on this motorcycle ride tomorrow, but please keep trusting me. And that was like, you can't put a price tag on that for me. Like there's no amount of money, billions, trillions of dollars. Like you couldn't say, would you trade that moment for anything? Because it was, it was just like the family did it. The prayers, the sacrifice, the love, the encouragement, the phone calls after the Buckley fight, the, you were actually in your car. What the heck? The, how do we help you? I call home for money. <laughs> and I'm like, what do y'all have? Like, well, I don't have too much for you. And now I'm like, you don't have to worry anymore because I know, from this first fight, yeah, you pay trainers, coach, and I'm glad to. I think we all got to do it. And with that, I also got to say, please take this, live your life, pull back on hours, be free, debt free, and thank you because now I get to keep working. And everything you did, you moving from Congo to here, my dad came to this country with sixteen dollars in his pocket. It was worth it, and. uh that's what I felt. And it's like funny, like the only time I really got to process that was on the bike because <laughs> right after it was straight to interviews and, uh, and you know, the, thank you. 
Well, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing. Uh, I mean, you're, you're an amazing uh, guest because you're so open and honest and I really appreciate that. So, um, Again, uh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, and can't wait to continue, keep following you. Appreciate it. Thank All you. Right. Have fun in Ireland. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing from IMPA, and I hope you enjoyed uh, this season. It's been a lot of fun, and we're already looking forward to the next one. So until then, ride safe.